Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe-to-toe with Amo, Salamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. show here it's friday it's football friday it's chad wilson it's amo calamino it's the gridiron stud show it's uh become the staple we're legendary amo we're just that are we legends or are we legends in our own mind hey as long as you're a legend i think you're good to go um if you have a yahoo account um your password has been hacked repeat your password has been hacked 500 million of them have been acquired by some uh what do you want to call they these people? They say state-sponsored. I guess, I guess that's a nice way of saying the Russians or somebody have it. I mean, I, I, listen, if they got mine, I'm, I'm with you on this one, like you said earlier. I don't know what the hell they want to read in it, but they can have at it. Yeah, they're looking for Hillary Clinton's Yahoo account. See, they can find out anything in particular there that would be of uh, national security importance. 500 million names to go through. Good luck with that. Maybe they'll find something by the year. 2040. All right, let's talk about some football. We got to get into it. It's a jam-packed show today, okay? Really, really jam-packed. Pleased to announce Mark Sessler from NFL Network will be on with us at 10.30. Going to talk some NFL here uh, with Mark Sessler. So looking forward to having him on to the show. Uh, Emil and I are going to do some college football and NFL uh, previews and picks. We got those coming up. And don't forget our FanDuel Fantasy Focus. Going to find three sleepers for you. Three sleepers you can sink your teeth into. Hey, it's college football weekend, so got to talk Canes football. Got to talk Gators football. Got to talk Seminoles football, if they're still even talking about that up there in Tallahassee. So Brian Beast London will be on to talk Canes football. Uh, I'm going to have Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com here to talk Gators football and Safid Dean from the Orlando Sentinel will try to, in some kind of way, explain what it was that went down last week uh, as Florida State took on Louisville. And don't forget, high school football takes to the field tonight, so we're going to talk Florida high school football with Joshua Wilson coming up later on in the show. But as of right now, there was a game last night in the National Football League. It featured one team that was playing their third-string rookie quarterback. It was featuring another team playing with a high-priced free agent acquired from Super Bowl champions. Which team do you think won, Emil? Well, tell me. I, I, well, see, I have the unfair advantage of knowing which two teams played. Now, some people may not know who played. Now, if you told me that up front, I'd say I'm going to say the high-priced free agent won. Oh, the high-priced free agent uh, acquired from a Super Bowl champion playing on a team with a really great defense and perhaps the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, as he's been several times already, clear-cut winner in a game like this. I mean, there's just no chance for this team starting a rookie third-string quarterback. No way in hell. And uh, what happens but because yet, it's the NFL? 
you've got a 27 nothing winner for the team with the rookie third-string quarterback. That team happens to be the New England Patriots. So let's just start it right now, Emil. Uh Tom Brady, do you trade him? Let's trade Tom Brady. <laughs> let's let's figure out where we send Tom Brady. Do we send Tom Brady to Dallas? Do we send Tom Brady to Cleveland? Do we send Tom Brady to the Miami Dolphins? Well, I have to say, I, I think we kind of all saw this one coming all off season. Did we? Know, Did we Patriots. see the rookie third string quarterback playing for the for the Patriots last night and that leading to a twenty seven nothing win? Did they? You and I need to talk more. Not twenty-seven, nothing. But be, be honest. Deep down in your in your heart, last night when when they started that game, you had a you had to have the gut feeling that Belichick was really going to get his rocks off winning this game with the third-string quarterback who was a rookie. I'm sure, but does man does he just like have the joystick on the NFL like that? Okay, this is how I feel right now. This is the outcome that <laughs> yeah, I want. This you is know, gonna, this really he just gets to decide yeah, what's yeah. going to happen on a football field before it happens. Yeah, there's there's days I uh, there's days I think he does. <laughs> I mean, there's days I think he has that joystick. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, this is the most dynastic team in NFL history. I mean, they won the Super Bowl back in 2001 with this current quarterback, if he remains the quarterback. Um, and here we are in 2016, and they pull shenanigans like this. Third stringer. Yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty amazing, you know. I mean, I think the bigger story there, even than the third, because the, the kid played good enough, and that he did what Belichick told him to do. Listen, don't screw this up, and we'll win the game. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, the bigger story is the high-priced free agent and how he played. Oh, that is no story there for me. I was on record right off rip saying, "Hey, look, I don't know what what he's doing. You're not that guy, Brock Osweiler. You couldn't find your helmet last year, a couple of years ago." to go in the game suddenly you're worthy of just leaving and you're going to lead a franchise from sub 500 to, to straight to the playoffs and possibly the super bowl come on man stay with the team that has von miller that has demarcus Ware, that has a key to lead that has a running game that has gary kubiak and just mind your p's and q's and just ride the wave give me a break you know what's amazing to me and i, and I guess that's just the power of money but you know again we can't relate because when you're talking about the money these guys are talking about to us it seems insignificant you know when you're when you're going to get 100 million or 90 million does it really matter to them i guess it does or their agent at least talks them into it that it does because we see this time and time again in across the major sports in the united states i mean we saw demarco murray do this a few years ago you know could mm. could make a lot of money in Dallas. You you and I have talked about that at length. Could be running behind that line, uh, be happy, making money, likes living down there, blah, blah, blah. He's on his, uh, what, now his third team in his career, second since leaving Dallas, um, and he's in Tennessee. So, that, you know, you, it happened in baseball last year. If you remember, Greinke got that huge deal, went to Arizona. He was going to get $30 million a year in L.A., but he took the 34 in an extra year in Arizona, and he's on a last-place team now. I, I, yeah, I, I, um, I don't understand. No. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. But you know, like I said, we've not been in those shoes. Um, I, man, I don't. I, I don't think don't it's the players. It. I, I'm gonna Doesn't be honest. Winning mean anything? Doesn't winning mean anything? I don't think it's them, Chad. I think it's the agents are talking. A lot of these guys are 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 not savvy with money, and you know. Maybe shouldn't didn't attend the business courses when they were in college, so they get some slick talking agent like in the movies Jerry Maguire, 
and he mm-hmm. convinces them that you know what you need that extra 10 million 80 million isn't enough for you you need 90 because I get five percent of that. <laughs> that's really, you know. Oh man, I, I I guess that's what's going on. I mean, I can't make heads or tails out of it. It's like these guys only think when they hit age thirty three, thirty four, and you're an aging vet on like one and a half knees, that they start thinking about their legend, uh, their legacy in the game, and how many Super Bowls can I win? And they just want everything to happen. Right then and there, well, damn, man, you probably had opportunities early on in your career when you could seriously contribute to, uh, you know, the success of a team that could possibly win a championship in a ring. Right. And you for you you bypassed that to get yourself, you know, some extra money in the bank because you know five seven million dollars a year is just not enough. I need I need nine and a half. And it doesn't matter well, if here's, I play you know, here, you, you know, the kid we're talking about, Osweiler, last night, and there's a guy who was in a, a really nice situation. Denver's coming off a Super Bowl, so the fan base, while, they're, while they'll expect the same thing again, they're also, you know, their stomach is full. They got their Super Bowl. He's got a great mm-hmm. defense down there. He could go mm-hmm. in and, you know, it doesn't have to put up 30 points a game for the team to be successful. So he can kind of mm-hmm. lay low 20 points. He'll win a lot of games in Denver and, you know, mm-hmm. develop into maybe – a really good NFL quarterback. Instead, now he's in Houston where they have a good defense, but it's not a Denver defense, and they obviously need him to put up points, and uh, he's got a lot of pressure on him. He's a big-money free agent, and you know what we always talk about on our show, expectations. When expectations change, you know, it, it, it yeah. gets, the pressure gets ratcheted up. Yeah, well, there it is. Uh, well, mind you, now we are talking about a Texans team that suffered their first loss. Of the season, right? Am I right on that, or am I wrong? That's it for. No, you're right. Two. They're still they're in good yeah. shape. They're two and one, and yeah, they're in they're that two division. And one football so. team. So let's not go overboard burying uh, Brock Osweiler. But the best is yet to come. I feel um, so we're we're gonna find out a little bit more about the Texans and Brock Osweiler. Put up zero points, though. I mean, ugh, man, does that just mean those those Thursday night games are that tough, or what? Uh, well, you know, we'll save that. I have some questions for our guest who's coming up about Thursday Night Football in general, so we'll talk about that in that segment. I think he maybe can shed some light on it. You know, you and I have been asking this question since they've instituted this game, uh, whatever it was, three, four years ago. I don't even know now, but uh, we'll, we'll get his perspective. How about that? Yeah, there was a, there was another true. We could we could definitely do that. There was another game last night. It was a college football game. It was Clemson taking on Georgia Tech. And to be quite honest, my only thoughts I didn't get a chance to see this whole game, but my only thought uh, watching this game was okay. Uh, it was cool when he brought it back uh, to Georgia Tech, but I think the whole you know triple option 1942 offense being run by Paul Johnson has probably run its course. Hey, well, are you with me on that, or what do you think there? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's funny you say that. I was sitting there watching the beginning quarter of that game with my son-in-law, and you know, I was amazed that the score in this game didn't end up worse than it was because it's not indicative of how out of this game Georgia Tech was from the beginning. And the problem with that offense to me is this. Number one, when you play a team that has better athletes than you and is disciplined, you have no chance. The only way that offense works is if you play a team with better athletes who's completely undisciplined. If they play disciplined defensive football and they have more talent, you're in trouble. And once you fall behind 
on a macro level in the game, on a micro level behind the sticks on a particular drive, you're screwed. If the first mm-hmm. play gets minus four yards and you're second and 14 in that offense, it's tough. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's brutal. It is. It is. Um, listen, just to tell you what kind of night it was for Georgia Tech, um, you had a play in this game in which uh, Clemson was in the red zone. Uh, Deshaun Watson and his wide receiver get mixed up on a play. He throws uh, an interception right to the defensive back. Uh, he comes out of the end zone to the one-yard line, slams into one of his own players, ball fumbles into the end zone, recovered by Georgia Tech, but tackled in the end zone by Clemson. Uh, I saw that play. Georgia Tech gets up, <laughs> celebrating, crowds cheering, players feeling good about himself. Uh, sorry, guy, two points for Clemson, and they get the ball. <laughs> Well, it's sure, because once he ran, once he ran with that ball, and he and he was deemed to have possessed the ball. Now it's a, it, it's no different than if you're an offensive player fumbling the ball backwards into your end zone and you recover. It's a safety. Yeah. So, um, sorry, your nice little play there resulted in two points for Clemson. And uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> Clemson wins this one going away, twenty-six-seven. Um, I still say Clemson not not looking like what they should look like. Uh, I feel like they probably should have uh, put the foot on the neck of uh, several of these opponents they've had. And I don't know if it's a boredom thing or if there's legitimately something missing with Clemson. I mean, they played great defense last night, but offensively, I think more should be going on there, don't you think? Well, yeah, what bothered me in that game was what I said. I I saw big chunks of that game, and the domination, If you, for listeners out there who didn't see the game, uh, it was a... I mean, total physical beatdown by Clemson. And for the final score to only end up 26-7 to concerns me. It's almost like they're getting bored. I don't know. Like, I expected – and you saw some of the game. The way they dominated that game physically, I would have expected to see this final score this morning, like 48-7. That's, yeah, that's how bad they were dominating that game. That game. I want to say the score was 14 nothing when uh, when I left the game. And it sure looked like they were on their way to putting up 30, 40 points in this contest. Um, and then come back, and it was, you know, some kind of a struggle offensively uh, in terms well, of getting in the Well, there was a point in the, in the second quarter, points. I want to say, Chad, late second quarter, something like that. I, I looked at my phone. I said to my son, I said, let me see this. i got to see what the stats are in this game. This is embarrassing. There was a mm-hmm. point where Clemson had, like, early in the second, late, I should say late second, like 300 yards of offense, and Georgia Tech had 40, just to put it in perspective. I mean, Georgia Tech was getting stoned. Every play they were running. Matter of fact, they were going backwards. They weren't even getting stoned. <laughs> they were getting, they yeah, were going it was backwards. odd to see an offense like that struggling to get a positive play going. I mean, because, you know, typically that's not what you get out of that offense, even when it's not having a great day. They'll have some positive plays, and then there'll be that one play in a drive, whether it's a holding penalty or an option pitch that went awry that puts them behind the sticks, and then, you know, they're limited after that. But just to not so many plays where you just couldn't get positive yardage um, was just odd to see. All right, we got to. Well, the we'll full, the fullback dive, the fullback dive was funny. Wasn't they even run there. that fullback. Pardon me. Yeah, well, the fullback dive wasn't even there. But we let let's jump into a break. We'll get back. We're going to talk about some college football. We'll preview the uh, ranked uh, opponents in in action, and then we're. Uh, well, we'll talk about what you know some of the other things that are going to be going on in college football before Mark Sessler joins us here. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Just be the self self
summer's gone, winter's here. But that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Macho Man Randy Savage, what's the cup for? Oh, wow, Mr. Sarcasm. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. I don't care. No. It doesn't even matter. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. Man. Wow, man, freak out. Yeah. Just a reminder there from the Macho Man, have you had your cup of coffee this morning, Emil? I mean, because he was really into a cup of coffee right there. Needed to let you know about a cup of coffee. Uh, so I have my if you haven't had it. I require it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, apparently the Macho Man in that particular promo had about 10 cups of it. Uh, nevertheless, man, let's get into this college football thing. Talk about the ranked games that are going to be on tomorrow. And the several of them, we already got one of them out of the way. Number five, Clemson, played last night. We talked about it. They beat Georgia Tech 26-7. to uh, Emil and I are still wondering what's going on with Clemson, though. Uh, are they bored? We're going to find out, man. Some big games coming up. I think they've got Louisville here real, real soon. We're going to see exactly what's up. Next week, I believe, up. is the Louisville Next game. week? Next week. I want, yes. to see, I, want, I want to see Louisville against a real defense. That's not what they faced last week. Sorry, Seminole fans. Um, you can call me what you want. That something's wrong on that defense with Florida State. Because you know what? Chad Kelly ran around also on, on your defense. And, uh, they uh, are calling you, Chad. They are calling you what they want right now, as you said that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure much. Don't matter what, to me. Yeah. I'm going to call them as I see them. All right, first up on the docket tonight, number 24, Utah, taking on USC. There's a small fire burning over there small? in South Central Los. A small fire. I'm small? gonna call it a small fire. I'm not I'm not gonna go media wide and go I'm not gonna go crazy with this thing. There's a small fire there. Loose tonight though, oh it'll be blazing. And really that's what's scheduled to happen here. Utah at home, tough football team, probably a better football team right now. Not more talented, but a better football team right now than USC. And um the Trojans lose here. And We've got a serious problem. They're going to be one and three on the season. 
lose tonight and you, you, you start to enter dumpster fire in the first month of Clay Helton as permanent coach. First of all, he spent six months trying to figure out who his quarterback was going to be. He picked the, the redshirt junior, Matt Brown, and after three games he determined he made the wrong pick after watching them for six months, and he's going to the redshirt freshman, Darnold, who I told you a long time ago I thought should have been the pick from the jump. I think Helton did what a, a player's coach does because he likes the kids. He's a nice guy. He, he gave the kid who waited his turn a chance when all indications that I've read in, L, in L.A. papers was that Darnell was doing was, was was the more dynamic player. You know, so I don't know. So in your mind, is, uh, is Max Brown a reason they lost these no, two games? No, 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 no. I'm saying that that is an indication of a guy to me, a coach maybe in over his head, not sure of himself is what I'm trying to say. You spent okay, six so months evaluating them. There you go. Lane Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Helton. I mean, this is the last three, four years here. I mean, what do you do? You, you're you not telling me anything again? I don't know. I think you you probably nailed this more correct than I did in that I think you really, really need to get a, a guy who can handle a job like USC. You can't just hand that job to anybody and you, unless you just You can't just cut your teeth. You can't cut your teeth at this program. You cut your teeth somewhere else. You go to UTEP, and you move on, and then you get yourself to USC. I mean, you can't start here. You just, it's not. It's What's the commonality, Chad, between Kiffin, Sarkeesian, and Helton is that really it is Sark a little bit at Washington, but Washington's not USC. None of those guys really, in my mind, were ready for that job. Um, Carroll, while I think they got lucky because he was their second or third choice, he had been an NFL coach for four years. No, he'd taken he had been his lumps. He'd made his mistakes. Yeah. Uh, some of them rather public. He, he, you know, he was seasoned. Yes. So yes, I, I mean, that's that's, that's where we're at, Emil. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if you have a pick on this game. I don't expect um, it to go well tonight. I don't have a pick, but I do not expect this to go well. Utah plays very good defense. I feel USC is distracted quarterback change yeah. a lot going on there i don't expect this to go well tonight yeah i'm leaning usc that's i'm, I'm right, leaning well. because for yeah i am because for one game the fact that you change the quarterback and that there's probably going to be a pretty significant change in your playbook with said quarterback probably gives usc a bit of an advantage here if the minds are on right and that's a big question mark and it's the reason why i don't make this a pick but um, without a book on this kid, Utah might struggle defensively to defend USC. After a book on the kid, um, next week's opponent, you know, won't have the struggles that I think Utah may have tonight. USC has to answer here. They're fighting for the program. Um, this sounds crazy, but I think that's what's going on here. So I'm going to lean in their direction. So there okay. you go. Um, Fair enough. Florida State is taking on South Florida. Um, they got problems in Tallahassee. Okay, I'm just letting you know that right now. The defense is a big issue. Um, offensively, I don't know. I just right now, I don't see them getting what they need to get out of Dalvin Cook. Uh, I don't know if that's the defenses look a whole lot different because you've got you know a youngster back there at quarterback. Um, I don't know if Dalvin's running as hard. I don't know what's going on. It's just not flowing well. Florida State has become Hollywood. Your answer to losing to Houston in, you know, the bowl game last year, one year after getting humiliated by Oregon, was to go get a television program on Showtime. 
I'm just, I don't know about the mindset in Florida State. In South Florida, let me tell you something right now, there are no punks, and they're smelling blood in the water, okay? South Florida is a 3-0 football team. Granted, they haven't played anyone. They're not struggling to score offensively. 56 versus Towson, 48 versus Northern Illinois, 45 on a road trip to Syracuse. This South Florida team is going to be full of piss and vinegar. The game's at home. And well, I dare say it, South Florida got a chance, a, a legit chance to win this football game. I would take them plus five and a half. Would you really? I would. It's not an official You don't think pick. this is a little bit of public overreaction to a bad game against a, against a, a really dynamic player in, in uh, the Louisville quarterback there? Uh, see, to me, this, this just reeks of I think some program pride might jump up here and you might see – you know, if their heads are screwed on, which is why I didn't make this a pick, you might see Florida State be Florida State for an afternoon. I am, uh, I watched the entire game mm-hmm. last week. Last week's game, I watched the entire game uh, because you know, I, you know, I was hearing Florida State fans calling Lamar Jackson the second coming of Jesus of Nazareth, and I said, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't play defense, uh, he didn't return punts, um, and he wasn't a running back who racked up a bunch of yards on simple run plays. Florida State's got serious yeah. issues. And this okay. line of five and a half tells me that they have serious issues. Florida State, who just, you know, they won, they won the whole deal a couple of years ago. And now they're only a five and a half point favorite against South Florida. Someone's trying to tell us something. And uh, so, I'm, you know, I'll back South Florida. Maybe Florida State pulls it out in the end. Maybe that's where the pride, the program pride will kick in. And they kick a field goal late and win 24-21. South Florida is coming for their head. This is their chance as a program. I think you're going to see the best of South Florida. And, look, I don't know what we're going to get from Florida State. Maybe they make a liar out of me. I like South Florida. Um, okay. Not enough, though, to make it an official pick. Wisconsin, Michigan State. I got something on that, so I'll defer to you until we get to our pick segment after, after, uh, after our segment with Sessler. Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. I, mean, I had a hard time handicapping this because there's two angles here. I think Wisconsin was distracted last week playing Georgia State, so therefore, you know, a lot of people shy away because they only won 23-17. Uh, conversely, you know, you look at Michigan State. You know, they're coming off a big game, a win at Notre Dame. They look great, uh, played well, uh, and now you got to play, a, you know, a capable, you know, conference opponent. And, and cover a fairly bloated number, five, five and a half points. So I don't know where you're going with this. I'll be curious to hear it, though. Yeah, um, I will have that for you. And, again, we're going to put both the college and NFL picks together after uh, Mark Sessler joins us here on the show to talk NFL. Alabama taking on Kent State. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about this game. <laughs> 43 and a half is not something I would really deal with. Um, in this particular game, Alabama is coming off of a win, although not all that happy about how they performed in it. I just can't go laying 43 and a half um, in this it's particular a name, This is a name your score game, and it just depends what mood Nick is in that day. And I just I don't expect him to purposely run it up against Kent State. Now he may not be able to control that because he has better players all across the board. But yeah, I'm not dealing in that kind of number. Sorry. Yeah, um, not not me, not not what I'm going to do. Georgia taking on Mississippi. Um, Georgia's not looked good here. Um, and as much as I would have thought after, you know, maybe Saturday night, seeing that Mississippi's playing Georgia next week, said, oh, okay, that's Mississippi. When the line came out, Mississippi 
minus seven. I don't like Mississippi's defense. I don't like the way Mississippi plays second half of football games. And Georgia uh, has not been impressive, but they have shown that they can win tough games, that they have some fortitude, and that they will play you for 60 minutes. That's too much for me to go laying seven with Mississippi. Maybe Mississippi wins, but Georgia's going to make them earn it and play a full 60 minutes, and that doesn't lend itself to laying this kind of number. This is one of those games, Chad, where I could see Mississippi winning by 21. I could see Georgia winning outright. I have a very hard time getting a read on Mississippi and just where they are both mentally and physically for this game. They're coming off games against Florida State and Alabama where they blew big leads in the first half, lost in both cases, kind of going away. I mean, they had a couple garbage ones last week against Alabama, but that game was pretty much decided by the middle of the fourth quarter. I just don't know where their heads are at. Are they angry? Are they dejected? Are they beat up physically? I don't know. So I'm like you. I, I can't I can't give you a, a logical pick here. Yeah, uh, it's kind of where we are with that one. Uh, there's a game in Tennessee. Um, people are going to tune in. They want to know if a duck really can pull a truck. That's what this seems to have been about all week. <laughs> um, and, you know, I you know, obviously have no pick on Florida versus Tennessee. Uh, I know you can. Pick this game. I you see your I see your son you got got the trash talking skills from you that you passed that down, huh? So you 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 don't think my wife knows how to talk a little trash? Trust me, um, it's been pulled in from both sides. Okay, uh, well, just just where that just so she from. contributed, but somehow I have a feeling more of that came from oh, you. Oh yeah, I don't she know why. She can she can yeah, okay. spit off a little bit. You know, Tennessee fans have been in a big. Uh, They've been up in up in arms about his quote, and let me, if you're that tender about that little duck quote, then you wouldn't last five minutes at our dinner table in our house. I'm telling you that right now. You're leaving in tears. So, I mean, toughen up, Tennessee fans. But what do you think about this game? Uh, I think, I think I want to make a pick on it, so I'm going to wait. Okay. How about that? Yeah, I think I want to make a nice pick on it. Nice little tease. You're pretty good at this little radio thing. I like that. Um, yeah. Sliding down. Penn State, the folks up your way, taking on Michigan. I was a little surprised at how Colorado got off on Michigan's defense last week. Um, I don't know if that's a problem. Michigan laying 18.5. I don't like it anymore. I just, you know, I think a little bit of something showed there um, with Michigan last week. Maybe we've pumped them up a little bit. I don't know about it. And you got Wisconsin next week. I like Penn State to hang within this number. Not an official pick, but just Series just history me would say you take Penn State here. If you go back and look through the games, regardless of how the teams were playing at the time, the Penn State-Michigan game has always tended to be a close game. And you can check me on that. Go look at the scores. You, do, you won't find a lot of blowouts in this series. 18 points is obviously a blowout. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Penn State will come to play. They'll play conservative. They'll try to, you know, make Michigan earn it, and I think that'll lead to them staying inside this number. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Both of us think Penn State will probably hang around in this game and keep it uh, closer than, the, as they say, the experts uh, think. LSU and Auburn. LSU on the road, taking on Auburn. LSU only three and a half in this game. If you're taking Auburn, you think Auburn can win this game? I don't know that they can. And we'll. Uh, this is weird. I don't. I don't know that they can. I. But for some reason, I think three and a half is too many points. Am I crazy? It's a field goal game. Well, wow, what you're really trying to say to the listeners is, I got nothing for you here, guys. And that's really no, that's okay I don't. sometimes. No, sorry, thanks Punting for cleaning is okay. that up for me. You don't have to pick every game. Listen, uh, I would like to punt this game. I have no idea what offense will show up for LSU. 
I got no idea if it'll, if it'll show up on the road. I got no idea here. Sorry. Yeah, all right. Well, we're both lost when it comes to that one. Houston and Texas State, that is a degenerate special, so I'm going to skip it. Nebraska and Northwestern, not much that I've got to go on there. Northwestern has been very uh, very uninspiring. They picked up a win last week against Duke, but I think a lot of people are going to, you know, beat Duke this year. So I don't, I don't know where to go with that. And uh, the Nebraska-Oregon game was a little bit harder for them than you thought, right? Am I not mistaken? So well, I don't know yeah, if you got anything they, on that, it. As far as the number went, that was a push. you got to swallow hard here if you want to take Northwestern. I mean, I would think if I was going to play this game, that would be the side I'd lean to. Um, Nebraska hasn't had a win like in Oregon in a while. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Oregon still carries some name you know, recognition, even if we think the program's headed in a different direction. And they won that game, and I, I have a feeling they're kind of stoked about it, rightfully so. And now they got to go play these guys from Northwestern, who are one and you know one and two, not not very inspiring. Uh, and they're going to do right, it on so the what road. Do you got for somehow, me? somehow, I think that Northwestern will cover this. Yeah, well, there you go. Oklahoma State, Baylor. Don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. Oklahoma State has not been impressive to start the year, but they can fight you. They can score. They will hang around. Baylor's an eight and a half point favorite. I don't like it. I think Oklahoma State can stay close in this one. Back and forth. A typical Big Twelve matchup. I, I'm with you there. I think that's a it's a basketball game. Back and forth. Louisville, big off the 63-20 smashing on national television. Will everyone raise them up to the heavens? I don't like them as 27.5-point favorites against Marshall. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing came down to the end and Marshall had a chance to win. I'm just being brutally and bluntly and honest with you. You just smashed Florida State. You got Clemson next week. Marshall is something as an afterthought, and Marshall, I think, will hang around in this game in a big way. I well, you, you're going out on a limb there. I, I'm with you on the point spread. This is the classic uh, sandwich game for, for Louisville. Let me put it this way. If they blow Marshall out, okay, mm-hmm. they're going to raise an eyebrow for me as to maybe they are a Final Four real. team. Real, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're real. If they, if they go in here and beat Marshall by 40 points, uh, they're mm-hmm. more than just they're, a guy they're legit. a team with a good quarterback. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I'll, a hard I'll spot. I'll say that. They're legit. Yes, it is mentally a tough spot, and if they have the mental fortitude to go beat these guys by 30-something, 40 points, then, yeah, Louisville's the real deal. It's amazing with uh, the games they've had on their schedule that, uh, you know, Marshall's going to be the the game that tells us everything we need to know. Hey, look, Stanford and UCLA, I'm going to tell you right now, um, Stanford's a small three-point favorite after beating USC, a very proud program. That looks like a trap to me. I'm going to back UCLA as a home dog. Um, not a you know not not a big time pick just the way I would lean. Mm, I, I watched UCLA BYU game. UCLA really struggled moving the ball against BYU, and BYU is a good defensive club. Stanford's better than BYU. Stanford's just one of those teams. I think they know how to at this point in their program they know how to win big games. I don't think beating USC is going to excite them to the point that they forget about UCLA. So I'd back Stanford. Well enough. A couple more of these here before we bring Mark Sessler on from NFL Network. Texas A&M, Arkansas, big game, a big undercover game in the SEC. Two uh, SEC, you know, SEC opponents here, both undefeated. Texas A&M is a six-point favorite. Arkansas, we're going to find out about Arkansas in this game, aren't we? I mean, they've pulled off some things here early on. They're a little better than people expected. I think we're really going to find out about them in this contest. I'm not, I don't have a really good read on this one other than to think maybe Texas A&M's a tad bit a uh, tad bit, a little bit too much cheese here. Arkansas goes in here and wins this game, then, you know, eyebrows need to go up. 
I, I got I got a pick on the game, so I'm gonna again tease you. Wait wait till later. I'll tell you who's gonna win that game. Well, how about that? And finally, Washington on the road against Arizona. Still can't figure out what Arizona is all about. They are at home last week against Hawaii. Gave up 28 points. It's not a good look. Meanwhile, Washington has looked very impressive against some very unimpressive opponents. Um, I don't know if we're even going to know that much about Washington after this game. I expect them to win. And, you know, using that rule, if you're picking them to win, you're picking them to cover, even though it's 12 and a half. I think it's a lot to ask. I mean, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna use this more as instead of giving you a pick, I'll use this game as more of a barometer for Washington. I'll be impressed even if it is Arizona's not a great team this year, if they go on the road and really lay one on Arizona as a double-digit favorite. So I won't make a pick. I'll say I'll watch this more for information for future picks. So uh, you're just gonna cop out like this, this is Pac-12. This yeah, is like, I'm just uh, gonna. You know, I'm just gonna be a punk and tell you that. I, you know, I. I I can't lay 12-and-a-half on the road with Washington until I see them play somebody because they've played nobody. All right. Nice cop out there by you. I mean, un- unbelievable. Pac-12 uh, expert here. Uh, mind you, from Pennsylvania. I don't even know how that works. But nevertheless. All right. We're going to put away the college football stuff for a little bit. Uh, do stay tuned. Uh, at the top of the hour, Emil and I are going to run through the NFL, and then we're also going to give you both our official, official college football and official NFL picks. But it's time for us to put our NFL hats back on, and we're very happy to have this next guest on. He's somewhat of an expert. I mean, when you come in from the NFL Network, that's like, uh, I mean, you, you know everything about the NFL, and we're certainly going to find out here as Emil and I are going to shoot some really tough, hard-hitting questions at our next guest, and that's Mark Sessler from the NFL network he's an nfl writer uh also does a podcast on the nfl network so like you know we've got an expert here amel um instead of us two phonies being you know we think we're nfl experts this guy right here is an actual nfl expert so um uh, he has Sessler the holy grail of all nfl show. we're lucky here to have him this morning there we go mark thanks for joining us here on the gridiron stud show Good to be here. I would I would argue that there are actually no NFL experts. I think, you know, in week two, as you guys mentioned with some of those college games, we're still learning what these teams are right now. And, uh, you know, the, the work is to not over-assume and make massive, you know, predictions in week two if you can. So, Mark, you're saying you didn't see the 27 nothing with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback <laughs> for the New England Patriots coming last night? Let me know now. I mean, we might need to break this segment and send you on your way. You didn't see that coming? I I am not surprised by anything that happens with with Bill Belichick and the Patriots at this point because of one factor out of, right out of the gate. They do a better job preparing their players every week than any team in the league and Jacoby Brissett was someone that I knew they would try to use a certain way. They would lean on the ground game. But I did not expect mm. that score against that Texans defense because going in the way that, you know, Whitney Merciless, Jadevian Clowney have played, and, you know, J.J. Watt's mm-hmm. still coming into his own at this point, but I thought that mm-hmm. they would have a good chance to stop the run and really shut the Patriots down and keep it a, clo- a closer game, but it was just classic Patriots. Um, yeah, look, um, Mark, yes, I have a couple of questions amazing. that were leading into, you know, this, this game actually led to a couple of things. When I was looking at you coming on the show, I wanted to ask you, what was your initial impression when Houston went out and got Osweiler? Did you think it was a good move? Did you think they overpaid him? Um, the contract was was wild, but that's the game right now. If you don't have a quarterback you're sitting, you know, in hot water. And we saw what happened last year with Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer, that a good Texans team, 
you know, the team had to basically carry the quarterback play. Brian Hoyer statistically was was decent last season, but we saw what happened when, you know, in January when it got real. And I think that Bill O'Brien, you know, he was brought in there to be a quarterback whisperer of sorts, to find his quarterback and bring some stability to the offensive side of the ball in like a post-match job world. And I think they believe very much in the kind of player that Osweiler was. The money was simply, that's what happens in, in free agency. And it, it, these quarterbacks, I, if you find a good one, I don't think you can pay enough. I, it really, the money doesn't concern me so much. Osweiler's been a little bit of a turnover machine. I think he's got a, you know, someone that can generate points to with Will Fuller on the field. But I look at, I look at that offense and say it really depends on what Osweiler does for them this season. That's still a little bit of a mystery. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what always concerns me, though, where the contract comes into play, and Chad and I talk about this a lot on the show, it changes the expectations. I mean, he can't fly under the radar. I mean, he's been brought in there to basically be, for, for better or worse, an offensive savior, savior. of sorts. I mean, he's, yeah. yeah. It's I I think the I think the mandate came from the ownership on down. You know, in, in Houston, there was very much a war cry to find that quarterback. And I think they felt when the when they signed him that you know we won this battle to get our quarterback against other teams trying to court Brock Osweiler, you know, including the Broncos to some degree. But really, it's the Broncos that look better because John Elway has built not just a good team at the quarterback position when he went out and got Peyton Manning to begin with, but developing Trevor Simeon, knowing not to overpay Brock Osweiler. I think he got to the point he said, "We've self scouted Brock Osweiler for years and years. We like the player." but the cost became far too exorbitant. And Trevor Simeon, is there really a big step down from Brock Osweiler to Trevor Simeon after two weeks? There's not. No. No. No, no there, 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 really, there really isn't. Your talk, yeah, and your talk about quarterback here leads perfectly into what I guess a lot of people are going to be talking about after what happened last night. Um, and you talk about the unthinkable, Brady not with the Patriots. Uh, everyone's talked about what would happen you know, when he comes back. Did Floor, uh, did, did, did New England learn something last night about the future of Tom Brady in which if there's any fall off, any drop off at all, can they, can they be a little bit more you know, forceful in parting ways with Brady um, if, should something like that happen? Has this, has, it, has this not proved once again that it's more about the Patriots and the system than it is about number 12? Well, I would take – Absolutely nothing away from Tom Brady because I, I really think he's a player that you never know with these quarterback careers that they'll, they'll have a magnificent season in their late 30s and then the next year it's curtains and it happens very quickly and it's hard to watch I think for the fans to see someone like Peyton Manning last season just fall off a cliff. So you don't know when that's going to happen to a Tom mm-hmm. Brady, but <clears throat> no player in sports does a better job in football of, of maintaining their body. And I know a lot of people like to pick on his diet, and that's a little bit – I think they've over-marketed that to some degree. I don't know why we need to know mm-hmm. that he doesn't eat strawberries, but at the same time, <laughs> this is a guy that they say he's not like – he doesn't even lift weights for the most part. He's someone that has used every possible sort of new age and combination of body conditioning to keep himself in prime shape. And I, I think he could play – uh, you know, for a number of more years. And so you don't give up on Tom Brady until you see it absolutely crumble. Now, in terms of what it means for the Patriots, the narrative that Bill Belichick is only someone that wins because he's had Tom Brady at his hip, that's nonsense. Bill Belichick is a once-in-a-lifetime coach who proved last night, 
I mean, what else do we need to see from Bill Belichick to say, yes, you can plug in a guy with zero NFL experience and look like an AFC championship type team. It is another, you know, it's just another example of the fact that we're watching the best coach of our lifetime. I agree I with that. everything you said. The only thing I would say there is he he won a game and some games without Brady, and he won that year when Matt Castle stepped in. But I think right. what Brady's allowed them to do is win and win big. I mean, you have to have – I mean, Brady's a quarterback that in playoff games and, 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 you know, those kind of situations, I think you do see a difference as opposed to winning a regular season game. Yeah, and they're both lifers. I mean, there's some there's rare but excellent footage of the two of them just sitting in Belichick's office breaking down film and yeah listen they are a partnership and it's it's not that one is more valuable than the other the combination of the two has been absolutely lethal and it's if you're in the AFC East or a fan of another team in the AFC East it's been an absolute dystopian you know post 2000 run here because there's no way to win that division barring Brady being out of the lineup it's just it's just too hard they prepare better than any team and they get the job done week to week do you yeah. think there's a little uh, extra Sessler motivation from the NFL for Network them? joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Um, I, I think Emil, you had a question for him. This well, I, to the New England I, I, Patriots show. Me before before we get off this game, I want to just ask him: does, does he think that because of what's happened to Brady, being suspended for four games, do you think New England's got a little bit extra motivation to stick it to the NFL these first four weeks and show them, like you're, you're not ruining our season? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that it was last night was was an absolute announcement to the NFL. You can try to do X, Y, and Z to us. Our job is to go prepare and out hustle and outplay other teams. And that sounds cliche, but you know they're not a team that talks outwardly. But I guarantee inside that building when they have their player meetings, the idea of you know with this we it's not just a chip on the shoulder thing. Because I don't think that's really a Belichick situation they just simply say every week this is our job we're going to do it and it sounds boring but sometimes boring is what more teams should be less drama more work and the patriots are all about preparing and executing and until we see otherwise it's like there's no team in the nfl that's matching them on that front yeah well and, and what's on your verdict mark on a thursday part of me chat one second i wanted to ask him about thursday night football what's your verdict on this i know it's good for you and your business you know, obviously, you're, you know, you work for the NFL Network. It's good to have games on Thursday, but do you think it's been a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think there's, I think it's great for fans. Uh, I think it's, it's probably tough on the players and the teams because those Thursday night games, when you're in those games, those teams don't really have a normal practice week at all. It's, it's really basically a walkthrough, especially for the visiting team. It's, it's, it's a walk to, walkthrough or two, and then it's get on an airplane and go play the game. And I think that it can lead to, in some cases, a team like the Patriots that's simply better prepared than others, you know, at home. I picked the Patriots in that game just simply because of the Thursday night factor of being at home when you're, when you're dealing in your New England and, you, and what you're able to do as a team. It's, I think it's, it's a good product. I, I, you hear players compl- you know, compa- kind of complain about some of the aspects of it. But honestly, with the way the NFL is going, I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't just – other more night, other more primetime games on other nights. I think they're going to find a way to to turn this product into almost a week long enjoyment for fans. Good lord, uh, would want to see how they work <laughs> something like that out. You know, this is a quarterback driven league. We just spent a good amount of time talking about Tom Brady. I want to talk about the quarterback in Minnesota. There's a lot of gushing going on uh, with Sam Bradford, who you know, two three weeks ago, everyone was wondering why the hell did the Vikings pay all of this money for this Sam Bradford, this broken toy that keeps getting pulled out of the toy box and, you know, put into play here. Um, 
I hear the gushing, and I think it might be a little bit of an overreaction, just my personal opinion here. I think you got Adrian Peterson uh, not, in the, not in the fold anymore, and while he has not been producing on the stat sheet for you know a little bit of time here, I think him being there meant defenses played a certain kind of way. So here's what I'm looking at. You've got, you're going to start to develop a little bit of a book on Sam Bradford as a Minnesota Viking if you're opposing defenses. You've lost the running back. Um, that's in the backfield, and it's going to be a committee of guys that don't really have a name in the league. And really right now you only have one wide receiver in, in Stephon Diggs. I don't know if the future is as bright as people want to make it for the Minnesota Vikings and, and Sam Bradford. Are you with me on that, or do you feel like it's the sky's the limit for Bradford in Minnesota? I think, you know, with Bradford, it's I am suspicious of Sam Bradford, the quarterback. I, you know, if you go back to the end of last season and the beginning of this one, he statistically has been a very good passer. In fact, better than Cam Newton in a number of categories over his last seven games. I think he's on the best team that he's ever been on. When he was with the Rams, and that was obviously like an injury-ravaged uh, run for him, but there was really never a downfield element type of wideout. And I think we saw the chemistry with Diggs on Sunday night was something that Sam Bradford just hasn't really had before. I thought he responded very well in that game. What I like about the Vikings and what they said right when Teddy Bridgewater went down, number one, Mike Zimmer is a top-five NFL coach. That, that I just mm-hmm. think his time – it took so long for him to get a job – he has shown that you know, no matter what happens to our team, we're going to go out there and compete. And he talked about them not being just a quarterback, that that, is a, that whole locker room views themselves as a balanced club. And that is a Super Bowl-level defense because there are excellent players at every level of the Vikings' defense. So I think Bradford doesn't need to be a lights-out, whirlwind-type quarterback winning huge shootouts. I think they're going to keep games – pretty low on the defensive side and Bradford can do just enough. I liked what I liked that he looked comfortable last week for the first time in a while. Bradford has been a very up and down affair, but this might be a good situation for him. Well, you know, Mark, what scares me with Bradford and I'm going to leave Chad out of this because he played for the university of Miami is when I watch him play. Yeah. He gets sacked. He has the look of like a guy like you or me getting sacked. Yeah, he's got that. He, yeah, and even even on the sidelines. Man, just don't throw Mark in you know, there like that. Yeah. Well, I, I I would agree. I probably wouldn't fare well with with a like 350 pound defensive tackle coming at my five foot eight frame. So that's fair. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, any of us I get would, the feeling. Hey, he, gets all, he gets up from the ground and he takes a look around and uh, you know it almost looks like he turns like uh, like white as a sheet. You know, it's like oh my god, am I still together? But I agree yeah. with what you're saying. I think he's. He's got some weapons there, and I, I think Mike Zimmer's been underrated in this league for a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm a Cowboy fan. People listen to this show know, you know that. And he was, yes, he was a very good coach in Dallas for a long time. Yeah, he's, I, I really think he's, gonna, he, he's, he's a coach of the year type nominee because of what he's done already with the adversity. Now, you got Carolina in Carolina this week. If you want an acid test, if you want to find out what this Vikings team is, that's a really good measuring stick. That's about as tough as a matchup as you could consider. Yeah, no, no doubt, and it's going to, you know, it's going to be a good chance to see, you know, what Bradford's about, and I'm sure Carolina has that on their radar, and they'll, they'll try to knock them around a little bit if they can. For sure. Staying on, staying on the schedule. Um, what, which one of these games is the most exciting for you, uh, and, and the one you're most anxious to see on the lineup we've got this weekend? I think that game right there is the number one game for me. Denver at Cincinnati is fascinating. I want to see what happens when, you know, this Bengals team, 
I, it's, you get to the point where they've had so many assistant coaches leave for other jobs. They lost a fair number of wide receivers. You lost Mohamed Sanu this, this season. They lost a number one receiver as well. That they're still an offense uh, figuring out what they are at this point. The run game hasn't been quite as potent. And you're playing Denver, but you're at home. And so it's their first home game of the year. I think that's a big one. Oakland, Tennessee is, is interesting because I'm not, I haven't given up on either team at this point. I don't love Oakland's defense, but you know, I want to see what Tennessee, they keep talking about wanting to be this smash-mouth type operation. And, you know, there was some fascinating stuff happening on game film in week one. A lot of that went away in week two, and so let's see how they respond. And, you know, some of these 0-2 teams are, you know, a team like the Washington Redskins, if they go 0-3, it's really they're in a terrible place. The Indianapolis Colts, if they lose to San Diego and they're 0-3, there are going to be a lot of questions inside that building. So week three always kind of – Heightens. Uh, How about the, the Dolphins going 0 3? What happens there? Well, I think if you lose to Cody Kessler in your own <laughs> building and you go 0 3, that is going to be a very ugly start to what Adam Gase uh, planned to do there. I think there have been some good things with the with the Dolphins. I mean, you know, they played they played a tough game in Week One I, last week. They just got schooled by the Patriots. I don't think the score was indicative of what really happened in that game until the end. And it's a work in progress. But you've got to they have got to take care of business on Sunday. You cannot lose to the Browns at home. Uh, you well, know what I'm going to do. Be honest, uh, you know what, first, you know what I'm going to do game. here, Mark. I think what I'm going to do early Saturday morning is go out, fill up the tank. Yeah. Uh, weeks worth of gas. If they lose to the Browns, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get in my car somewhere, but I'm not gonna be stopping too many places. I'm gonna get in that car, drive, and uh, get right back home because there could be bottles and rocks being thrown around here in in South Florida if they lose to the Browns. I'm jump, I'm yeah, I would. Pretty I would sure get right into your house. I would get into a house. I'd get somewhere safe for sure. There you well, go. Well, they had every chance go. to win their first game of the year against Seattle. I mean, the ball that the Absolutely. wide receiver dropped, if it was a spear, it would have killed them. I mean, it was I mean, it yeah. was I don't think the Dolphins are a terrible team by any stretch. I think they're they're, you know, you've got to give these regimes time when the new coach comes in. Adam Gase, everything that I've heard and you know, you guys are closer to it down there, but that the players just love Adam Gase. I think people that kind of didn't know what kind of head coach he would be because, you know, being a, the idea that an offensive coordinator is, 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 you know, comes right in and understands what a head coach job is when you're that young is, is not always guaranteed at all. But they talk about him being a real alpha male, that the players dig him and that they are responding to him. And that's a, that's a big uptick after, you know, what was going on there at the head coaching situation the last few years. Sure, certainly. Well, I have one, I have on one more question for you, Mark, before you go, because I know sure. your time is limited and we appreciate having you on here, but I'm not letting you go without asking a Cowboy question. Um, Chad and I both liked Dak Prescott before the draft. I liked him before Dallas got him. I think he's demonstrated, you know, he's got the poise, and he's only a couple games, we get that. What does Dallas do? Let's say he plays well the next four weeks and they're 4-2. and two. What do they do if Romo's ready to come back? Well, you know, the Stephen Jones said it himself that there is the door is open for a switch at the position if it, if Prescott has, you know, completely delivered during his uh, chance to start, and it looks like a really special player to be honest. A lot, you know, you got Jared Goff sitting on the bench in L.A. and Prescott, you know, from the preseason on has looked very pro ready, and I, I find him to be a fascinating player. They've got a strong offensive line, a good running game. With, you know, a number of running backs there: Ezekiel Elliott, Alf Morris. And so, if it if they're really gelling, I, you know, you you got to look at Romo and say, what is the future here? And I think that's a very interesting situation that is going to start to come up and be talked about over the next month because 
Romo's proven to be nothing but fragile, although I love him as a quarterback. It's just that can you afford getting him hurt again, and, and, and do you really want to change the chemistry of the team if they're really flying at that point in the season? It depends where they, where they are. I think they're open to it. I mean, Stephen Jones said it himself. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, well, I think that's, I uh, well, that's where – yeah, that's one of the things where everyone's going to be watching here uh, yeah. as we start to progress through the season. They should have like some kind of countdown to uh, Tony Roma returning and then the drama that's going to go on there in Dallas. Right. Well, listen, Mark, uh, this is what, Emil, expert analysis sounds like, not this stuff that this cowboy stuff this guy wants to throw at me each and every week. If it's not Cowboys, <laughs> it's USC. I'm like, yeah, what am I getting here out of this guy? Well, but, Mark, listen, we really appreciate it. We've got to do this more. You've got to come back on the show again. I'd be happy to. I mean, anytime uh, it was fun, and you know, I I I'm still learning to be an analyst myself, so I stay away from the expert tag. But I love talking about it, and it was enjoy enjoyable to discuss with you guys for sure. Listen, Thanks, Mark, Mark. In 2016, with social media, everyone is an analyst and an expert. So you better just that fall in line with that. Go ahead. Yes, go <laughs> ahead and get your 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 uh, nameplate made up as expert because that's what we all are. But again, we appreciate it. Uh, Mark Sessler from uh, NFL.com. You can find you can find his articles there, and he also hosts a podcast uh, around the NFL podcast on uh, NFL. And am, am I missing anything? You're on NFL Network. What's the name of the show? Uh, well, we we do a show called we are we our podcast is taped and it's it's put up on YouTube. It's called the Around the NFL Podcast. Uh, Dan Hansis is actually the host, but there's four of us, and uh, it's three times a week. We do a show on Sunday nights that wrap up all the games, and you can watch that live on Periscope. And if you go to the the Around the NFL, it's at Around the NFL. Uh, you have all the information is there and how to find everything. So uh, please join us over there for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And again, uh, Mark, we'll have to do this again. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. Thanks, Mark. All right. Mark Sessler from NFL Network and NFL.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Great segment there, Emil. Oh, yeah. Well, he, 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 yeah, you even he, he made us sound decent. He, he's good. Who, why, why did I think that for any second that that would not happen, that you would not slip in a Dallas Cowboy question in there? I how could I? Well, who am I left to ask the question to? I have my choice: you, which I, who I can talk to all the time, or him. And Jeez, I figure he'd I'm, give us a good answer. God forbid, hey Jerry Jones on the show. I mean, I, I might as well just hang up the phone and just let you take it for two hours there. Good grief! It's the Dallas Cowboys show here. We'll be back on the Dallas Cowboys show here. We'll be back to give you our NFL thoughts as well as our picks. And we got to do a fantasy football focus, our FanDuel fantasy. we got a lot of stuff to do. So let's go pay some bills. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. 
You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Well, the bells are ringing. Doesn't mean that it's noon here on the Gridiron Stud Show, but it is 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino, jam-packed football Friday show. Mark Sessler from the NFL Network just joined us for a great segment. We talked Brady. We talked Bradford. We talked Cowboys. We talked NFL. And uh, that's the kind of thing that you do on a football Friday show here. So we're going to continue with the NFL uh, football theme here. Uh, I, we did this last week, Amo. I think we should probably do it again. Let's let's jump into the picks. We'll hit the fantasy football focus, and then we'll check our time there. And if we if we have time, we'll preview some of these other games. How about that? Okay, sounds good. All right. Um, well, listen, NFL. I usually go first on this thing. I had a good week last week, if I don't say so myself. Um, and. Uh, uh, that was a three and zero week. Did I go three and zero or two and one? What did I do last week? It was no, real good. Whatever. Come on, you know, don't try to act <laughs> modest, okay? You've been, you've been, you have it up on your refrigerator at the Man, house. Man, I just want to hear you. It's refrigerator art. <laughs> Give me a break. You were three and zero. Yeah, I just want to hear you say it. All right, three and zero, and we're gonna do it again. We're gonna do, we're gonna do three and zero again. And here's how we're gonna do that. Um, I'm gonna start off with. The good old Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I'm a little bit of a closet Chiefs fan. Not big time, but you, you know, are. I, like, uh, I, I do like the Chiefs, and I like the Chiefs especially in a week like this when they're coming off of a loss, uh, a little bit of an unexpected loss. They got dealt a loss last week uh, on the road uh, against the Texans, and they're taking on a Jets team that won on national television against a divisional opponent and, you know, caused someone to get fired. I think the Jets come in here a little bit um, – not focused, not as focused as they need to be, not as focused as they would be if they were coming into this game off of a loss against the Bills. So at home, the Chiefs, and we're only needing the Chiefs to really essentially get a win here. They're a three-point favorite. How could you not love the Chiefs at home off of a loss against a Jets team that just won against a divisional opponent? Uh, I think I'm going to snap up all those points there. And then the Jets have the Seahawks next week. So um, I like I like the Chiefs in this one as a three-point favorite. Uh, sliding like just along, yeah, sliding along. Cincinnati Bengals, um, a team that lost to a divisional opponent in a big game last week uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that brings them in with a good amount of motivation in this one. Um, need to get back on track. Certainly don't want to fall to one and two on the season. A lot is being expected from the Cincinnati Bengals here. And listen, uh, though they lost last week, I thought they played a pretty solid football game. They're going to have to get after it again. And they're taking on 
uh, a Broncos football team that's going on the road for the first time this season. Uh, they got a slim win against the Panthers. Um, they duked it out with the Colts and got a lot of help from the defense. Now you're um, you could call him that, rookie quarterback, basically. He's rookie so far as the Broncos are concerned. Is going on the road to take on a tough opponent off a loss. I don't like Simeon in this situation. I do think he's got a bright future uh, as a quarterback, especially in Denver. Um, but I just don't like him in this spot on the road against this particular team uh, coming off of a loss, especially a loss off of a divisional uh, against a divisional opponent. So I am going to back the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, who are also a very small favorite in this game of three points. I just think the Bengals win this game, so I'm going to go with that one. And then finally, okay. talked about it. Yeah, talked about it with Mark Sessler. The Miami Dolphins are at home. Yes, they've not been a bad team. They are 0-2. They took on two of the toughest teams, two teams that could very well be the you know, Super Bowl combatants at the end of the year, Seahawks and the Patriots, and they did it both in road games. Now you're back home. You're not looking to go 0-3. You're not looking to go 0-3 at the hands of the Cleveland Browns. You're not looking to go 0-3 at the hands of the Cleveland Browns at home with Cody Kessler starting for the Cleveland Browns. You do that, and the Dolphins' season really is in the toilet, Emil. And this game's under uh, what I have. I have it under 10 at 9.5. It wouldn't matter if it was at 10. I think the Dolphins win this game comfortably. It's a chance for them to really show what they are. Uh, the stadium's been renovated. The stadium has a new name, Hard Rock Stadium. You've got to open this thing up with a smashing win over the Cleveland Browns, or you're just toast for the rest of the year. You set the tone for the rest of the year here. So um, Dolphins must win, and when it's a must-win situation against the Browns, then you win. And I'm going to go with the Dolphins as uh, nine and a half point favorites. Is that is that the line? Yes, you're rolling. Well, I got it at ten, so let's use ten. That's that's what I got currently right now. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Minus ten. Am I good with Cincinnati at three in Kansas City? You're good on your lines. I listen. I would stop you. I'm here for that, right? I'm I'm the CPA on the show. I am here for that. Account absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Carry on, sir. Carry on. Okay, well, you know, you gave me a nice segue, okay, because I'm going to roll with you on the, my first pick is the Miami Dolphins. A uh, few things here. You mentioned Cody Kessler, and we all know I'm a USC fan. I got to see Cody play a lot, and uh, he's a good kid. He put up some nice numbers at USC, but I've seen him against good teams in, in Pac-12 play. Uh, this shouldn't bode. This is not good for Cleveland. <laughs> I do not mm. see this. Not at all. well for Cleveland. Uh, I expect the Dolphins to come out in this game with their hair on fire defensively. I expect some turnovers, some mistakes from Kessler. Um, how he went in the third round of that draft, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, but I see this as a big blowout. Uh, if the Dolphins don't take care of Cleveland, you're right. Their season is done if they don't take care of Cleveland. And yeah, I, I it's, expect it's to do done. That. It's, look, you opened up that stadium. You did renovations to it that are supposed to in some way add to the attendance to games. You can't bring all those people in. There's going to be a nice crowd. You can't bring all those people in there and then mess around with the Cleveland Browns. Just can't. That yeah. can't happen. Yeah, and I'm going to make you unhappy with my next pick. Um, I know no. you are really, really excited about the New York Giants this year, and their defense has looked very good so far. But let's, you know, tap the brakes a little there. I mean, they played a guy making his first NFL start in the first game. They won by a point. I'm not sure if they played the same game in the same place three weeks later they win it. Last week at home, they kicked the ball around against the bad Saints defense. They scored nine points on offense. Okay, the the special teams got them seven. They won the game by three. 
Okay, their offensive line is nothing to write home about. They can't run the ball, mm. and for some reason, they don't like throwing it to their tight end. They're going to give mm. three and a half points to a desperate Redskins game team this week. The Redskins opened up with the Steelers, who many think could be in the Super Bowl. They got whacked at home on Monday Night Football. Then the Cowboys came in there and beat them last week in a tough ball game. Uh, this the Redskins are playing in, in some respects. You know, it's, it's it's early. It's week three, but you know, you you start zero and three. Your season is is in big trouble. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. They're catching three and a half here. The Giants have two wins. Not one of them is by three and a half points. I'll take the Redskins. Well, you don't listen. Look, whole time I'm calling a timeout. You don't have to apologize to me. I didn't say the Giants are going to go undefeated. And to be quite frank with you, if they're going to lose games this year, which they will, it will probably come at the hands of motivated divisional opponents. I mean, so that's okay. Uh, I can kind of well, agree with you there. I mean, Washington. Laid an egg last week. They better come out with their hair on fire, or you know, yep, they're going. They're going to really. Yeah, come I mean, after I'm swallowing hard. Guy. Don't get me wrong. I understand there's listeners out there going, "You're going to take the a two an 0 and 2 team versus a 2 and 0 team on the road." The line tells me something. One team's mm-hmm. 0 and 2. One team's 2 and 0. It's three and a half. I would expect this to be like six. Really, I would. Um, I, I'm, I'm I grabbing the three and a half points. Yeah. Well, now, there you go. finally, we'll grab those points. In this, I'm grabbing the points. Now, staying in the NFC, uh, you know, we talked about Prescott earlier. I'm very impressed uh, so far with Carson Wentz. Chad and I may be wrong on this guy. Uh, you know, so far he's looked the part. Now, here's where the rub is, and they're all professional teams. I get it. He's played the Browns and the Bears. The Browns and the Bears may end up by the year end being two of the five worst teams in the NFL. Well, I'm sure the Browns will. The Bears might get there. Okay, the Bears are bad. Mm-hmm. This week he's home. He's going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a team that, I mean, they're going to they're going to put some pressure on him. They're going to change some things up, things he hasn't seen. I don't know if he's ready for this game, even though it's home. I'm going to lay the three and a half points with the Steelers. I know they're coming off a division win, but this is a rivalry game in, in, in the state of Pennsylvania. I don't think they're going to look past the Eagles. Um, I think they'll give a good effort, and I like them to to win this game by more than three and a half. Man, points. talk about swallowing hard! You're going to go against the beast that is Doug Peterson, play caller, um, with the Steelers, who just came off that big win over yes their division rival, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team they were supposed to have a complete battle royal with. God bless you, man. Maybe maybe you are. Maybe you are. I, I just don't there, like I'm the saying. spot, Chad. I just don't like the spot. I think I think this is going to be a, a test where you know he's he's still a rookie and he's going to see some stuff that you know the Bears and Browns just can't show. Yeah, well, we'll see, man. That's why we do these things. So those are your picks. You've got Miami uh, minus ten. We both agree on that that the Dolphins can't do anything other than smash the Cleveland Browns. I mean, no, no I'm not even talking about. You can't have like the late field goal, last minute drive thing. That's going to be BS, and people will be mumbling walking out of Hard Rock Stadium. Like you got to from the kickoff and the first drive punch Cleveland in the face and just for the rest of the time start sending them back up the interstate back to Ohio or the, or fans are just going to be unhappy. A win just won't do here for the Dolphins. they got to dominate this team. You also have Washington as a three-and-a-half point underdog against the New York Giants, and you like the Steelers on the road against the Eagles as favorites, three-and-a-half. And 
There you have it. I've got Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Miami, and those are the picks this week. We uh, now need to jump into the fantasy football thing because that has just uh, that's as big as anything in uh, the NFL right now. So we're going to jump into the FanDuel fantasy focus. FanDuel is uh, has really taken the the nation by storm. No longer do you have to do a full season of fantasy football. And I'll have to worry about Adrian Peterson going down and destroying your team, having to worry about when Sam Bradford is going to not get up off the turf from his next sack. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. FanDuel is week to week. You pick a new team every week from the people who are available. And great thing from FanDuel is they've come up with some new perks and some new things and twists and turns for you fantasy football folks. For this season, you could start your own little league, and you can invite people, and you can settle on how much money you want the league to um, to pay out to winners. So you could set up your own contest there. I think that's a great thing because you know everyone thinks they know football, so some bragging rights, along with some dollars, can be put. Uh, on the line each and every week in FanDuel. And then also, if you're new to the whole fantasy football thing, they do have some beginner contests for you. So you don't have to get, as I like to say, completely paddy-whacked by the fantasy football veterans. So head on over to FanDuel.com right now. Open yourself up an account and start uh, your fantasy football fun. Use the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS, and you get yourself a couple perks with that as well. So with that said and out of the way, let's talk about our fantasy football focus. And, you know, we say sleepers, but... Maybe not sleepers. Maybe there's some folks you didn't think about. But just three guys we really like uh, in the fantasy football contest this week. Uh, can we say that? That's that's where we're going to well, go with I this think, thing. I think well, here's what I try to do so people understand. I don't know what your motive is. I try to look for people that aren't going to cost you a lot. So if you're looking for a guy to fill out a roster and you say, okay, I've only got this much money left, uh, you know, I, I need somebody that's going to outperform their salary. That's kind of what I'm looking for. I mean, obviously, we could both sit here, and most weeks, if we take Aaron Rodgers, we'd be just fine at quarterback, but he'd eat up a big chunk of your your, your, your salary cap. So um, I'm just going to quickly lay out my three, what I'll call sleepers, and then you can lay out your three. Um, my sleeper defense, I think it may not cost you what it typically would, although they may have jacked the price a little bit because of who they're playing. Though I like the Dolphins. You know, you could see I have the, my theme this week. Uh, playing a rookie quarterback, a guy that I've seen play in person when he was at USC, I don't have a lot of confidence for the way this game's going to go for Kessler. I, I, I think the Dolphins could be somebody to look at for your defense this week, especially since they should be an uber-motivated team. Um, mm-hmm. Quarterback, I'm going to take Marcus Mariota, Mariota, however you'd like to say How his last that? name. Yeah, I Marcus think that's Mike Mariota. I want to hear this. Keep an eye on him. The Raiders' defense looks to be pretty bad right now. Now, I mean, they have some talent there, and they may fix it, and hopefully it won't be this week because I'm telling you to take him. But they're going on the road. They've allowed 35 and 28 points in their first couple games. Um, he, he could give them some problems, the way he can run with the ball, throw it. Uh, Tennessee's not that bad. They're pretty decent up front. Um, I, I expect him to have a, a, a fairly – a fairly decent game this week. And then rolling right into that same game as a wide receiver, I like Crabtree from the Raiders because uh, he's a guy that's not going to cost you a fortune. I mean, sure, I could tell you take Amari Cooper, and if you want to do that, mm-hmm. that's probably a solid pick. But Tennessee's got one of the worst pass defenses in the league so far. So I expect a lot of points in that game. And as such, I'm going to tell you, if you want to save a little money and maybe try to grab a guy under the radar or take a look at Crabtree to – Maybe have a big game if the Titans focus a little bit too much on Cooper. 
All right, so there you go. Recapping it, Dolphins defense, Marcus Mariota, quarterback from the Tennessee Titans, and you also like that sorry receiver Crabtree, as described uh, by Richard Sherman a couple of years ago. Here's what I'm rolling with. Listen, this guy's going to cost you some money. He's got a big name. I just think you're going to get a really you're going to get a really good week out of Andrew Luck, considering what went down last week in Denver. Andrew Luck, if anything, has been a goldmine in the fantasy football. Uh, since he's been in the league. Puts up good numbers. Uh, we'll, it will actually take off and give you some rushing yards. We'll give you a rushing touchdown here and there. We'll throw some touchdown passes. He was abysmal last week. He was abysmal last week. Uh, pick sixes, fumbling the ball. Um, I think he threw for under 200 yards. I like a big bounce back week for him against the San Diego Chargers, who have had a little bit of trouble playing defense this year. In fact, I think that Colts-Chargers game is going to be one heck of a shootout. So if you just pick one game as a fantasy football player and pick guys from You've made your whole roster up out of players from, from the two teams in one game playing. San Diego and Indianapolis looks like it would be that game. So I'm going to go with Andrew Luck there, and if you could pair him up with uh, a T.Y. Hilton, because that's usually a good thing to do. You grab a quarterback, you grab his main guy. Uh, if you did that, I think you'd be sitting pretty good. Also from that game, Travis Benjamin has gone out to San Diego and has turned into somewhat of a favorite target and a big play guy for Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers. So if the Colts are out there putting up points and San Diego needs to answer, it only makes sense that Travis Benjamin could end up having a big day as you know San Diego tries to keep pace with Indianapolis. So I, I like Travis Benjamin in this one. He's not going to cost you a whole lot of money. Um, and, you know, he'll have a – he can continue to fly under the radar until the price starts going up on, on Travis Benjamin. And then finally, I'm looking for a defense. Yeah, I like your defense call. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins, but that one uh, it seems a little too easy for me, Emil. So I'm going to roll with Kansas City at home. Uh, I think what Kansas City does when they want to get back on track is play some pretty good defense. The Jets are coming in here feeling a little bit too much about themselves after lighting up the Bills and whatever it was the Bills did on this secondary. Um, so I think Kansas City is going to be geared up for that. And uh, I think they're going to make Matt Forte have to be the guy to, to win there. I just like Kansas City forcing some turnovers in this game. Fitzpatrick on the road, back-to-back games, don't trust that guy. So Kansas City could probably come up with some big plays there. So I'm going to go with that. How do you like them apples? You like that? You like that? I like those apples. I like, every, I like all the apples you laid out there. Yep. Um, I agree so with you. That's that's picks. that. Well, listen, before we round this up and you take off, we've got to give some college football picks here. So let's try and do this whole thing pretty quickly. Um, what's your first college football pick? Okay, first let's start off. I'm going to start off big game hunting, the 330 game, CBS, I believe it is. I'm going to take the Florida Gators plus six and a half. I feel, I feel this line's kind of inflated because of the quarterback situation. Uh, I'm not sure in a one-game situation, as you said, it's going to matter that much. I think Florida's defense, if if not the best in the country, is certainly one of the two or three best. There's NFL players all over that defense. Um, six and a half points is a bloated number when you're playing a defense like that. And Tennessee's shown me nothing so far to say that they're going to blow Florida out. I'll gladly grab six and a half points there. How about that? Trying to you know, speaking of apples, trying to give an apple to the host here. Um, okay, Florida is it for you? Okay. Moving right along quickly, I will grab Arkansas plus six. I like what I see there. I think he might have that program headed in the right direction. And I'm not sure from what I've seen. I know they've won all their games so far, but I'm not sure Texas A&M 
is ready to blow out another quality football team like themselves. I think they're both evenly matched, and when they get two evenly matched teams, two well-coached teams, I take this. I take the points when it gets this high. So I'll grab six points mm-hmm. there too as well. Okay, and your final one. And then finally, when I look at this game, I mean, we all overrated Notre Dame this year, obviously. But when you're mm-hmm. telling me that they're less than 21 point favorites against Duke, you're almost putting them into garbage status because Duke's not very good this year. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame is not garbage, and I expect them to take out the frustrations of the first part of their season here against Duke in this game. They're giving 18 and a half points, and I really see the Irish winning this by four touchdowns. I think, you know, they're going to put on an offensive display and, and blow Duke out of the building. Uh, I'll lay the 18 and a half points with Notre Dame. Uh, how about that? Going with the Fighting Irish, uh, swallowing hard on that one. Yes, mm, no, nice. So? I, I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, I'm not yeah, swallowing hard out. on that game either, Emil, because I am going to go with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. There is the risk here that with two losses this early in the season, uh, their balloon must be might be completely busted. But um, you know what? Duke's not that good. Notre Dame's at home, um, and they're going to need to come up with a good performance here. They've got to get that stink off of them. They must, they must, they must. There's no chance of them going one and three here. So I think Notre Dame wins. Not only that, they know the point spread, they cover it, and they try to do the best they can. Uh, if anyone could get into a championship game or get into the playoffs with two losses, it is the Fighting Irish, uh, the father of all college football and all things great about college football. You can sense the sarcasm there. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to roll with Notre Dame there. My next one is Iowa. Uh, Iowa got embarrassed last week, Emil. I mean, yeah, they're a good FCS program, but no one wants to hear that crap. You're Iowa. You lost. They've got to come back big. And – uh, they're going to play Rutgers. Rutgers is not a good football program right now. Yes, they have some wins. They got embarrassed by Washington earlier this year. They turned around and beat Howard. Everyone expected them to do that. Um, then they get in a fist fight at home with New Mexico. I think um, Rutgers is going to get dealt what they get dealt here. Iowa's going to come in, get super physical with this football team, and I like Iowa. They're only a 13.5-point favorite in this game. I think they're probably a team that's going to win by three touchdowns in this one. They've got to show up. Almost and show made up that big. a pick myself, my friend. You and I are a little too close this week on these picks. Yeah, there we go. I don't know if that's good or bad. And then finally, uh, Michigan State and Wisconsin. Now, you know, I have uh, I was high on Wisconsin going into the season. It made me look good with uh, that win over LSU, and I'm still high on them. You know who's high? Michigan State, real high off of that big win over uh, Notre Dame last week. I think they might get caught you know, on that one, being a little bit too giddy of it. I Look, I got a lot of respect for Mark D'Antonio and what um, he does as a coach, but I just think this number being uh, over three like that is a little problematic for me. Wisconsin's going to come in, um, and I think they're going to come in with their hair on fire and uh, play a pretty strong game here, and I like Wisconsin. These two have battled enough. They're very familiar with it. With, each other and I. I'm going to roll with the underdog in this one. I think we're four and a half on that one. Amel, am I? Am I five? Correct? You got five. Don't rip yourself off. You're you're, you're cheating well, on one game you and then you're well, ripping yourself off on others. What's wrong with you? Well, that's why you're here, my friend. Okay, it's certainly not for your good looks or your intellect. Uh, but hey, 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 got, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we've got you here for the numbers. You're a numbers guy. That's what you are. You're a numbers guy, and so that's the number. It's five, and that's where we're at. I like Wisconsin as an underdog plus five. I've got Iowa minus three. 13 and a half. I've got uh, good old Notre Dame fighting Irish at home in their game against Duke as a minus 18 and a half point favorite. And we're going to leave it at that, Emil. Your time's up here on the show. 
Um, we're going to take off. I'm going to do a little bit of Kane's talk with Brian DeBeast London coming up next year on the Gridiron Stud Show. Say goodbye to the folks, man. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. See you Monday. All right. Quick break, then we're back. Brian DeBeast London going to talk Kane's football. Everyone get excited about that. We'll be right back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Wicked, 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 wicked. Wicked tones, you know. Metro Boomin wants some more, nigga. All right, we're back here on a Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Studs Show. Gotta love these Football Fridays. Jam-packed. It's football, 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 football. And uh, I'll tell you who's been playing some pretty damn good football of late. It is the University of Miami. Uh, Mark Richt has come in and um, really quickly has dried up some of the tears from the Al Golden era. And uh, who I've got someone on that's going to talk about the Canes and how well they've been doing. And who better than to have Brian the Beast London on right off the bat? I got to ask you this: What was better for you last Saturday? Watching the Canes go out and dominate Appalachian State, an Appalachian State team whose fan base talked a little trash going into the game, or watching them dudes up north getting their pants completely pulled down and paddywhacked and bitch slapped by Louisville. What was more, in, you know, fun for you? Uh, I don't think I could pick one. Equally satisfying. One, anytime our Canes get a victory, I'm good. And anytime those bastards in Garnet and Gold get a loss, I'm also good. Well, yeah, well, there. It mu- it must have been such a great Saturday for you uh, as a Canes fan to watch Miami go out there and play Miami football. That's just what we've been crying for here for the last, good grief, four or five years. Just go out and just show that you are the better team right off the bat, not have to wonder about it. It started with the first play, 80-yard run. And was that a fullback in the game? Wow. Yeah, I think we saw a fullback. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. How about that? Marquez Williams doing a good job, of, uh, and he's actually scored this year. So, yeah, kind of playing Miami pro-style football. I mean, there's some wrinkles, but how about that? Pro-style football. That's, that's genius. But more important yeah. than that, and you know this, is – Playing Miami defense, aggressive, getting after the quarterback, just letting the guys use their athleticism to be aggressive, be those players that they were in high school, and come in. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing the big-time recruits, like a Chad Thomas, shine. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they're playing South Florida football. Yeah, absolutely. For me, that's the biggest thing. I can Listen, I can almost 
stomach a loss because I'm a I'm a big I'm I'm a grown man. I can I can handle it. You lose a football game, it happens. You play enough games, you lose. The biggest problem for me over the last you know several years was just I couldn't watch the games because of what was happening on defense. As you know, beast, I play defense. I coach defense. My kids play defense. It's all about damn defense. And went to watch what we're doing defensively, I turned off more games than I could even count on both hands the last few years just off of what was happening. And I actually was in attendance last year against in that Clemson game, and I was just disgusted. I left at halftime. You know, I'm oh. going to admit that to everyone now. I left at halftime. So just to see that part, to see penetration into the backfield, to see the athletes on defense be allowed to be athletes has been the biggest joy for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, we don't have a defensive lineman dropping back in coverage. Uh, we don't have defensive backs lined up uh, in Hialeah. So uh, everything is better. But what about the story about these three freshman linebackers? I mean, to me, that's what is the story so far about this defense, really. you got Zach McLeod, Shaq Quarterman, Mike Pinckney. We're all freshmen. They just came in in the spring, and they're out there making plays, man. And I understand the first three games, you know, FAMU, FAU, App State, although we thought, we got, uh, we thought App State might be a little bit of a more test, mm-hmm. uh, more of a mm-hmm. test than FAU, but mm-hmm. – Man, they're holding their own out there, and uh, I mean, Miami's a school that has produced some of the best linebackers ever in the game, maybe the best ever in Ray Lewis, and these three guys have come in, they've taken the coaching that Manny Diaz has given them, and they're just making plays, and it's really, it, it really is, and if they continue to keep this up throughout the entire season, it's going to be one of those stories at the end of the year that you're, you're going to have to see on SportsCenter, because they are really proving themselves as freshmen. Yeah, I think if you're playing Miami football and 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 you know more specifically Miami defense, you don't have a problem with a freshman being there. Look, I was there. Ray Lewis came in as a freshman, and when you've got guys balling around you, it just gets a little bit easier for you as a freshman to fit into this whole thing. You start wanting to do what everyone else around you is doing. Um, if you stick a freshman in there in a situation where he's being asked to be the guy to make the plays. Um, and try and get everyone else going well, then that's a different story. So you've got all the other parts around uh, doing their job. It makes it easy for those freshmen, and that's exactly what I'm seeing. So listen, let me admit this to you. Going into the season, we do, you know, my co-host and I, we do a little prediction show. Uh, I, he was higher on the Canes than I was. I was not calling for this great Canes season. I, I think I had him at 7-5, and 8-4. and four. But when I look at this schedule now and I look at the way that they're playing – I'm running through the schedule. I'm not as afraid of some of these teams on the schedule anymore. Florida State looks like they're going to have some serious problems. North Carolina still can't figure out the whole defensive thing. Um, I had Notre Dame in my 14 playoff. They're not going to be that. So things are looking a little brighter, not only for the Canes, but for um, their prospects on some of these games in the schedule. So as they stand here now, 3-0, and how do you think we end up here? I, I, you know, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but... How do you feel going the rest of well, the way? Listen, okay. I, 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 the thing I feel better about facing Florida State than I did. Obviously, after they got mm-hmm. mollywopped by Louisville, mm-hmm. and the game is mm-hmm. at home from Miami. Although it'll be half Florida State fans, but um, sure. So I feel a little bit better about that one. I'm not going to declare it a victory for Miami yet, but I, I, I they can win that game. Okay, they can mm-hmm. definitely win that mm-hmm. game. Uh, they're going to go up to Georgia Tech. They're going to beat Georgia Tech because Mark Richt is just as familiar with Georgia Tech as anybody. He's played them every year. Sure. Uh, 
Notre Dame on the road is still a tough one for me because of just being on the road, South Bend. Notre Dame's going to have that crowd. It's going to be uh, just a crazy environment that a lot of these guys have never been through before. Um, mm. So that one's still a question mark for me. The other, the road trap game for me though is, and and I, I forget which team you were on, but uh, Thursday night games to me. When they send Miami on the road on a Thursday night into an environment like mm-hmm. Blacksburg, to mm-hmm. me it's always like ESPN is setting up the Canes to lose on national TV. And yeah, good I job. Always, yeah, I mean, I always look at those Thursday night games as trap games. Now, yeah. there was a Thursday night game back in 2005. Last night on my show we had Quatron Hill and Rashad Butler on. Mm-hmm. They played in a Thursday mm-hmm. night game in 2005. Virginia Tech was ranked number three. Miami went up mm-hmm. there and slapped the heck out of Marcus Vick. And, sure. and that happened. But there's been other times mm-hmm. when Miami has played on a Thursday night like against East Carolina or Pitt and lost. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm still worried about that Virginia Tech uh, team, even though I'm not sold on Virginia Tech as a team. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you on that. I'm just I don't like Thursday night games. Don't like Thursday night road games. Don't like Blacksburg. So there's a lot wrong with that game. And that's a there's a tough stretch coming up here. Yes, you're familiar with Georgia Tech. That's going to be a physical game. Then you got Florida State. Then you got North Carolina, who's not as good as I thought, but that's going to be a tough game. Then you got to go on the road to Virginia Tech. Then you got Notre Dame, and then Pittsburgh at the end of that whole deal. So how we do through that little stretch is going to pretty much be everything but i'm excited about what we're doing offensively running the football um you saw what it led to the passing game with brad kai people were a little nervous by the way about the passing game had you heard that had you had you seen some of those comments i I definitely i definitely heard that um i i think the issue is that brad kai looked a little bit off in the fau Mm -hmm. game uh he was floating some passes um he got hurt a little bit in the App State game, but I think they figured out, uh, you know, they, the FAU came out of defense they had totally never seen before, a lot of these mm-hmm. guys. They hadn't seen it on film. They hadn't played before. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that caused, caused Mark Rick, hey, we have a real coach, to adapt, and he went to the horizontal passing game more than vertical. Um, they mm-hmm. came out against App State with more of the horizontal passing game, but then they started to go a little bit more vertical with Amon Richards and uh, David Njoku, the tight end. And mm-hmm. I think slowly but surely they're kind of uh, – Brad Kai is getting used to this offense. I mean, yes, he's been in this offense since the spring, but it's still brand-new terminology. Technology, brand new offense, brand new coaching. He's still getting used to it. I think the passing game is going to come around. Yeah, I, and I think so. And if you continue to run the ball like that, it, it just almost always would result in some bigger plays in the passing game for you as defenses have to adjust on, unless they feel like getting the ball rammed down their throat by Mark Walton and Joe Yerby. What's been the biggest surprise for you through three games here for the Kings? Is it that defense? Is it the way they've been able to run the ball um, is it the three line? Is it the freshman linebackers? What's what's been the biggest surprise for you? Yes. Yes, to all that, huh? <laughs> no, no. I mean, okay. Well, first, I was really worried about three freshman linebackers. Okay, I, I really right. was. Um, mm-hmm. Well, well, I wasn't worried about Shaq Quarterman because I saw that dude in the spring, and I was like, this guy's a man amongst boys. I don't even understand how they build athletes like that anymore. Um, I it really was uncanny what he was able to do mm-hmm. in the spring when I was out there um, for a mm-hmm. freshman. But these other two guys have come on and held their own just the same. Um, so that has been uh, the biggest surprise. The defense, uh, uh, we knew they were going to be a better defense just based on coaching. I mean, uh, sure. I mean, Mark did Mark did. There's a reason why Mark did not 
D'Onofrio is now coaching the Kendall Boys and Girls Club, and that's not a joke. <laughs> it, it, I knew okay. that shot was coming. No, I, I'm serious. There's a, he didn't get a job. Uh, what's the record? Can we get the record of the Kendall Boys and Girls Club I, that I he's coaching? I don't even want to know. know. All I know is the, the, the Kendall <laughs> Boys and Girls Club defensive backs are actually lined up in, in, in the Redlands. Um, in West Pines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so the defense I knew was going to be better because of the coaching, um, but the run game. I think Mark Walton is another big surprise. Not that he has the ability, that just that he's really mm. matured and taking that step forward. Remember, he was kind of away from the team for a little bit. He had a bit of an yeah. off-the-field issue, and he comes in and doesn't miss a beat, and, man, he looks like the real deal. I mean, we've seen some good running backs at the University of Miami, and he looks just as good as, as some of the ones that we've seen. I mean, he is off to mm. a great start. Mm. And to be able to put in uh, a definite change, uh, pace changer in, in Joe Yearby, too, to back him up is, is just a great benefit. Yeah, well, look, a ton to be excited about uh, if you're a Canes fan. Um, and certainly a reason for you to go out to that ballpark now, to New Hard Rock Stadium. Um, they covered it up for you so you don't have to get sunburned or rained on and all that good and stuff. And they, well. they, yeah. they fixed the leaks, Chad. They fixed the leaks. There you go. On and off the field, uh, the leaks yeah. are fixed. So a lot of uh, a lot of things to be happy about with Canes football. No game this weekend, man. So I'm gonna let you run. But listen, I gotta have you on more. You're, you're named the beast for crying out loud. I gotta have a beast on the football Friday show on the gridiron. Look, the show's called Gridiron Stud Show. I gotta have a beast on. Yeah, well, I don't know that I'm a stud, but I can definitely fulfill the beast role. Well, there you go, man. I appreciate you being on here with us, man. Enjoy your weekend. Looking forward to doing this with you again. Anytime. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right. Brian DeBeast London uh, joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show talking Canes football. From Canes football, we're going to travel up a little bit north and uh, talk some Gators football. Gators got a big football game. It's no more North Texas. It's no more UMass. It's no more lowly Kentucky. It is a big-time football, one of the matchups that were circled on the calendar going into the season. And, man, uh, because of a couple of guys that play cornerback for the Gators, uh, this thing has become pretty, pretty big time. And uh, it's it's added to all of the excitement. I love college football for this reason. And uh, on to talk about the big matchup between the Gators and the Volunteers is none other than Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. This thing's going to be lit, is it not? God bless those cornerbacks. They, uh, it, it's been easy to write this week, and uh, it's been easy to write all off season, uh, thanks to thanks to them. It, today it yeah. seems like it, it seems like nobody wants to give bulletin board material, and Florida mm. built the bulletin board, filled it, and then mailed it to Knoxville. Um, <laughs> but it, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, I, I imagine this has just been a complete and absolute gold mine for folks in your profession. So let's get that thing out of the way before we get into the nuts and bolts of this matchup between Tennessee and Florida this weekend. Um, when the young man, Quincy Wilson, came to you guys and did the, uh, I guess, the weekly press conference or the post, uh, post-practice talk, and he had the quote that's, you know, gone all the way to Oregon now, um, have you ever seen a duck pull a truck? Did you think this, all of this would happen? Uh did I think that uh, it, would, it would prompt Oregon to have their mascot pulling a truck? No. Uh, I did mm. think it would have some traction, though, because mm-hmm. it, it's fun. It, it's not the same, hey, it's a nameless, faceless opponent. It's the biggest game. It's just the next game. Uh, they're all important. It was, hey, we're going into this game confident. 
we're going to beat Tennessee, and, and it was said in a unique way. So I thought it would gain some traction, but, but not as much as, as it did now. Yeah, um, it certainly has taken on a life of its own, and I found the uh, I found the Oregon Duck mascot pulling the truck to be absolutely hilarious. So, um, yeah, plenty of pregame material, plenty of uh, stuff for folks to write there, and that's just that's probably the only thing that's going to be easy about this matchup this week. Uh, this is listen, however you want to cut it. Um, the Gators are going for what number thirteen, number twelve in the streak. Where where are we at on this? Twelve. Thing? Twelve. 12 in the number. Yeah, number 12, um, but by no stretch of the imagination should anyone think that this is going to be an easy game for the Florida Gators. Josh Dobb ran wild on uh, the, the Gators last year. Let's start there. What what does Florida have to do to not have a reoccurrence of that in this year's contest? I think it really comes down to discipline, and that's staying uh, for the defensive line. Stay in, your, stay in your gaps, stay in your lane, stay in your rushing lane. To me, the biggest difference is Alex Anzalone. I said mm. it last year uh, in the preseason, Alex Anzalone was the best linebacker Florida had, and that's when Antonio Morrison was still on the team. Uh, he goes mm. down in the first game, and, and you miss him. Uh, mm. Anzalone was a running back in high school. He, he can physically and speed-wise match up with Dobbs. So, to me, you have the luxury with, with Duke Dawson, Quincy Wilson, and Jalen Tabor to just tell those guys, hey, we're going to put you on an island, and that lets you bring down Anzalone, maybe have him spy Dobbs and bring another guy down into the box because Dobbs, Dobbs and Tennessee as an offense really hasn't shown you anything that they can beat you through the air. So I think you sell mm-hmm. out to stop the run and say, hey, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be because you did it with his arm, not his leg. Yeah, you know what sits in the back of my mind, though? The last time the Gators went into a contest thinking this way about a team's passing game, um, and you may know where I'm going LSU with last uh, year? Yeah, LSU last year, just like there was no respect for Brandon Harris as a quarterback in LSU's passing game, and, you know, it kind of went wild. So I hope a little bit of a lesson was learned there by the Gators in that, yes, while you do need to load up on Dobbs, um, don't forget that, you know, there, you know, this is this is a, a proud program that has athletes there that on any given day could probably get loose. And and also, uh, you know, I say you put you know your corners on an island uh, and play man. Uh, you're a defense coach, you know. Okay, Anthony mm-hmm. misses one tackle, and now the corners are 20 yards downfield. Josh Jobs, he's got room to run. So you're gonna have to mix it up. It's not just as simple as hay. Hey, you play man, you, you can't expect 18- to 20-year-olds to make every single tackle. Someone's going to miss a tackle at some point. So, uh, right. Jeff Collins will have to fix it up. And, and Butch Jones has done a good job recruiting. There's definitely athletes on that roster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that. You know, all this talk about the Florida cornerbacks um, in this game and all that, lost in all this, really, and probably a good thing, to be honest with you, is that Florida's starting a backup quarterback in this game. So what do you do – um, if you're Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer to make sure that Austin Appleby has the kind of game that he needs for the Gators to be successful? Uh, well, it starts, I think, not with Austin Appleby. Uh, Tennessee's given up almost four yards per carry to the likes of Ohio, App State, and Virginia Tech. Florida's carrying or uh, rushing for almost five yards per carry. Uh, I, I think you try to lean on the running game. Uh, and let that set up the play action. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you really 
don't want to put, I said this on our podcast, I think you don't want to put Austin Appleby in a situation where he has to go and win you a game. Uh, mm. You want to create, you want to win first down. So you're giving him second and manageable, third and manageable. I, I, from what I've seen, the little I've seen, and you know, I, I don't pretend that we see a ton of practice, but from mm. what I've seen of Appleby, he's not going to thrive or do well in, in third and long situations when the defense knows he's throwing the ball. So I think you need to lean on the running game to win first down, create those second and third and manageables to kind of make things easier on him. I know he said, you know, uh, I've been to Penn State and I've been to Michigan State and Wisconsin. He didn't play in any of those places. And he threw four <laughs> interceptions on the road. And he threw four interceptions on the road last year in the season opener at Marshall. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think you need to, to to make the game easier for him. McElwain says it all the time. It's about the ten guys around the quarterback. They need to play better. I think they need to even step it up an extra level uh, this week. Yeah, well, that's going to require something uh, pretty strong coming out of that offensive line, uh, and that's an in, you know uh, an, I don't it's an embattled unit. Uh, a lot of attention mm-hmm. being placed there. Well, what what are your prospects on them coming up with the kind of game they need for Florida to walk out of Knoxville uh, with another win in this game? They're going to have to. They're going to have to win the line of scrimmage. You're, like I said, when you're talking about a running game, I think if if your game plan going in is to run the football, uh, you know, you go back to Will Muschamp's win against Georgia when they didn't even pretend to throw it. Mm-hmm. You, you tell an offensive lineman that on Monday, hey, listen, we're going to run the ball 50, 60 times if we have to. You need to get ready. That gets them juiced up. I really like Fred Johnson. People say. Hey, he's six foot seven. He's too big to play guard. I liked him at guard last week. Uh, he'll start mm-hmm. at right guard again in place of Tyler Jordan, the big freshman from Coco, uh, Jawan Taylor at right tackle. I, I like that right side. Uh, you know, as Tyler Jordan still comes back from eye surgery, mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest thing is if you can get the offensive line to to, to play up to. Hey, they're, they're they're putting the game on us this week, and if you can get that kind of performance where they come out and play like the big uglies that they are, uh, that's what you'll get from them. But I thought they played better uh, better against Kentucky, but I, I didn't mind Fred Johnson uh, last week against North Texas inside a guard. I thought he was better guard than tackle. What's the story with Martez Ivy sent off in the second half of last week's game? Um, I thought everyone, the, the understanding was that if you're sent off in the second half of a football game, you miss the first half of the next week's game. What what happened there? What's the status? And uh, give us a little information on that. We uh, well, I think that's the targeting rule, which is initially why we why we assumed uh, mm-hmm. that he would miss the first half, and he wasn't thrown out for targeting. He didn't throw right. a punch. So I don't know. I, I honestly don't know why he was. Oh, he was thrown out because he had. Uh, that was his second personal foul. Uh, gotcha. After the whistle, that's a, that's a new rule this year. Uh, if you have mm-hmm. two personal fouls after the whistle, not you know uh, during, during play, play. you have a late hit. You have a late hit on the mm-hmm. quarterback's personal foul, and that that doesn't count. After the whistle, uh, that's why he was sent off. So that's why there's no uh, carryover into this week. Yeah, um, well, well, it's good. We got that cleared up. And is is Ivy starting? Or is the team trying to do anything yeah. there with with that? He's going to be starting. Okay, makes sense. It's Tennessee starting. week. Yeah, you suspend guys for the UMass game, not the Tennessee game. That's, <laughs> that's kind of well, how wait, wait those till, things work. Wait till Presbyterian in November. 
Yeah, I mean, like, don't mess up the week before Presbyterian if you're a member of the football team because that's the week to make an example out of somebody. So uh, players got to get a little smart and know that one. All right, listen, there's uh, there's this team that plays in the panhandle that got completely smashed. Um, I don't, I'm not going to ask you the same question that I asked Brian of East London. Uh, what were you more excited about, the Canes win or Florida State's massive loss? But – um, how shocking was that to you? And just qu- real quickly, what are your thoughts on Florida State? Are they in trouble or they just had a bad day at the office? I expected Louisville to win that game uh, as soon as Derwin James got hurt because I thought that Derwin mm. was the guy that could have not neutralized Lamar Jackson but, but slowed him down a little bit because, to me, Derwin's the best safety. He's someone that could match up. Uh, and like I said with Anzalone, you would just have to spy the quarterback. Mm-hmm. To me, once Zerwin was out, I expected a little bit of win. I expected him to drop 60. No. Uh, our mm-hmm. message board over in Gator Country loved it. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I, I think FSU rebounds this week uh, mm-hmm. and, and handles what I think is a good USF team. But I think they rebound, come back, come back angry. Uh, I, I still have to question a defense that's, that's putting Ermon Lane at safety to try to find mm-hmm. answers heading into, you know, uh, into an in-state game. So, mm-hmm. uh, until you can get Derwin back, uh, the defense, to me, just doesn't have that same bite. Yeah, well, I'd say uh, there was no biting. It was a total, um, you know, dentures kind of performance for them. Um, and, and they <laughs> are going to have to really. Just, at some point, they just packed it in and quit. Uh, I don't know yeah. before halftime or after halftime, they just said, hey, they're done. Yeah, which is strange to see uh, from a Florida State program. So there are some questions, some deep questions that need to be answered uh, as they head into this game against a USF team that is uh, undefeated and uh, feeling pretty good about themselves. All right, well, listen, man, um, I'm sure you're either, you know, on your way to Knoxville, getting ready to go to Knoxville, or you're in Knoxville, or where are you right now currently? I am am in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. Well, there you go. I flew Uh, flew into Nashville, and I'm on my way over to Knoxville now. Well, well, good, man. Uh, I'm going to be heading up that way Saturday morning, so we'll probably run into each other. Until then, man, be safe. Stay out of the way of volunteer fans, and if you see a duck pulling a truck, get the hell out of the way. Take pictures, though. I will take pictures and video. <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, until, until, until next week, thanks for joining us. Have a good one, Chad. All right, that's Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Uh, always good to have him here on the uh, Gridiron Stud Show to talk about Gator football. you got to head over to GatorCountry.com right now, the best Gator uh, coverage. Not only just football, all the sports. They cover them all over there at GatorCountry.com. Well, completing the big three here in the state of Florida. I've got Florida State on the docket next, and Safid Dean joined us last week. I think if there are any hardcore Florida State fans uh, that listened to the show last week, Safid, they would uh, probably want to get at me and say, hey, listen, you had this guy on last week, and we got jumped, lost by 43 points. He's, uh, you know, superstitious-wise, he should never come on your show again. I think that's a great idea. I think you should have me on every week. We all know the Gator fans and the Canes fans really tune in here. So I think, oh, uh, I think they'll really enjoy me to come on every week, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think they would uh, really, really be gung ho with all that. All right, where do we, where do we start? You know what? Let's just talk about that because you know Nick brought it up. Uh, Nick Delatory from Gator Country brought it up about Derwin James. 
um, obviously was missed in this football game. Give me the status on Derwin James again. When do you think he'll be back for Florida State? Because clearly they need this guy in the fold. Yeah, at least six weeks from now is when the end of his recovery time frame would be. But, you know, for this Florida State team, it's something I've kind of said on, on social media, you know, you just also got Josh Sweat, who just uh, had surgery on his meniscus uh, Wednesday, um, and he's mm-hmm. going to be out, you know, one to two weeks. It's in Jimbo mm-hmm. Fisher's best best favorite to to hold these guys back and make sure he brings them along as slowly as possible. Um, there's mm-hmm. no need to rush these guys back. There's not much to play for besides a great bowl game this season. You know, I mean, and not saying that Florida State doesn't have a chance to still win the national title and all that, but they have a mm-hmm. lot of work to do after that Louisville game, man. That game was uh, they were exposed in the worst way possible not only on offense, on defense, and on special teams, all three phases of the game. So, you know, Derwin James is, uh, you know, should be the last of their worries. They really just need to learn how to, you know, just get together, buckle down, and play some football, man. Yeah, that was one of the things that I I took away from it. Obviously, I was traveling last week, uh, didn't see the game live. Yeah, I listened to it on the radio. Um, and then, you know, I, I saw a lot of fans, Florida State fans, on social media really anointing Lamar Jackson. And obviously he's an outstanding player and will be a Heisman Trophy candidate barring injury. But kind of, um, I don't know, just making excuses as a fan of just saying that this guy is so awesome he would do, you know, this would have happened to anybody. But when I looked at the game, Florida State was bad in all phases. They allowed two mm-hmm. long punt returns, one for a touchdown. They missed field goals. Um, simple run plays by uh, Brandon Radcliffe were getting off on them. And then, of course, you had Lamar Jackson doing his thing. They just weren't good in any phase of the game. So, like, you got a lot of stuff to clean up here before you go face an undefeated USF team full of players that probably wanted to go to FSU. Of course. You know, they played last year. You know, Dalvin Cook uh, was able to run three touchdowns in. Had a you know a record day, 266 yards and a 34-14 win, but you can't take that for granted at all. This week, you know this USF team kind of runs the same kind of operation that Louisville does with Lamar Jackson, Brandon Radcliffe, and uh, Clinton mm-hmm. Flowers and Marlon Mack. You know we we both know Clinton Flowers, kid from Miami Jackson. Sure, um, very you know, dynamic. Dual, yeah, very dynamic dual threat guy. You know who's uh, improved every year he's been in school. And, um, you know, one of the things that Jim Fisher was wary about is that, uh, you know, this, this USF team is in the second year of, uh, you know, really being uh, in a cohesive unit like they were last season, you know. Um, you know, USF won uh, seven of the last nine games then last year. They're already scoring at least 45 of a game this in three games of season, three blowouts, actually. Um, so it would be interesting to see how uh, FSU responds. You know, I think if USF is able to go up one touchdown or two touchdowns early and if, if Florida State has another uh, – you know, um, you know, if they let let up another lead, get off early. You know, you start to wonder if they start to question, second uh, guess themselves or question themselves. Um, that's definitely not uh, something that Jimbo Fish and some of want to see is uh, uh, you know giving up a lead as soon as you uh, get there. But you know, it's, it's up to Florida yeah, State well, to really what, rebound. Yeah, what, what happens himself. in Tallahassee if you one week after you know the Louisville game you somehow fall to USF? Yeah, it's uh, I think it's rock bottom. Um, you know, you don't, uh, that, that, and that's the worst of, of it all. I don't think anybody um, in their right mind really expects FSU to, to fall um, to USF or even if it's a competitive game. I mean, I think, you know, you, you want to you see a demeanor from this Florida State team that we're going to kick some tail and, uh, you know, in our first chance to really prove ourselves once again. Um, I don't think they're going to take USF lightly whatsoever. Um, and that's what you hope to see if you're a Seminoles fan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but for this team, USF team, they, they can't take the mighty lead. They're in another year uh, of the system that they're working on last year. Uh, they improved tremendously, and uh, it, it's definitely going to be a big touch for Florida State, that's for sure. 
Um, listen, we know what happened um, defensively for Florida State. You're missing some guys. Lamar Jackson, perhaps at this point in time right now, the most dynamic player in college football. So, okay, let's just say it was all about Lamar Jackson. But offensively, what's going on, uh, what happened in that game, and what does Florida State need to do to, to, to get right offensively? Well, I think everybody knows that, you know, you've got to key in on Dalvin Cook. You know, you got to want to, you want to stop the run. And uh, Jimbo Fisher has done some, you know, creative ways, creative plays to, uh, you know, try to get him the ball in space, whether it's thumbing it off some of the flats or, you know, creating some play action with DeAndre Francois and getting, uh, you know, tight ends or wide receivers downfield in the mix. Um, Jimbo Fisher has been, you know, trying to be creative with his play calling so that, you know, he keeps defenses honest. But really it seems like, you know, Dalvin Cook is just, uh, he is not getting the blocking that he needs from his offensive line and other teammates in the, you know, downfield. Um, he's not mm-hmm. getting that full operation that they were getting last season. You know, um, Florida State's offense, you know, from looking at the, the comeback against Ole Miss, it looked like it could go out and beat any team in the country. And Louisville, mm-hmm. like, couldn't beat anybody, you know. It's a dra- right. drastic drop-off. And so, um, you know, this team is going to really have to regroup on Saturday. And it starts with Francois, it really does. You know, he had that one fumble in the game, and he was kind of had his head down after that, and he didn't really regroup from that. And um, it's up to him and Dalvin to really just lead the ship, and, and hopefully you get some guys to block for you downfield. Yeah, that's a lot uh, to put on, uh, you know, a freshman quarterback in this situation. Just makes you really appreciate Jameis Winston even more. What he was able to bring to the table as a young guy of that age um, in terms of leadership and uh, and just energy to kind of pull guys out of all the different situations that Florida State found themselves during his time there. So the last thing I want to ask you is, yeah, that's a terrible lost last week a lot of people coming at florida state they were just waiting for this day because florida state fans let's face it have been uh, a little annoying and in the face of other fan bases so after dealing with all that um what you're a beat writer you've been around the team this week what's kind of been the mindset of this team it's really changed from going to a team that you know had ac title and national championship expectations to uh just hey, we got to focus on winning. We got to focus on ourselves. You know, it's really uh, mm-hmm. the, the look really gave them an introspective view on themselves and what they really need to do. And you know, I think everybody realizes that you know you can recruit all the four and five star talent in the world if you don't put it all together. Um, you know, on the football field, it's it's not going to show up. And not only that, too, man. You know, you you kind of take their their talent for granted. You know, you're able to come back 22 points against Ole Miss, the biggest comeback in school history. And you know, you thought you were going to do it against Louisville. And sure enough, the lead got from 25 to 32 to, you know, 40. And then, uh, obviously, it got away. You know, they can't depend on their talent. They have to do the small things. They can't take the game for granted. And I think that's something that you're you're probably going to see Saturday when they play against USF. Yeah, going to be very interesting to see uh, not only how they come out in this game, like the first five, ten minutes of this game is going to tell us a lot about where Florida State is mentally, but just how this game ends up against a very motivated and spirited in-state opponent. Um, Looking forward to it, man, and looking forward to having you on the show to talk. Uh, Some more Florida State football for us in the future. All right, cool, Chad. How's it going, man? All right, that's Safid Dean, beat writer. Florida State football beat writer uh, from the Orlando Sentinel. Check him out on there. Um, listen, a really guy that uh, gets in there and is, stays on top of what's going on with Florida State football. Where everyone wants to see how they're going to respond after getting completely punched in the mouth last week by Louisville. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When I get back, we've touched on college football. We've touched on NFL football. It's time to start talking about what's going to go on on the gridiron tonight. High school football is next up. On the Gridiron Stud Show, we'll be right back right after this. 
Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Gridiron Stud Show, high noon here out on the East Coast, down here in sunny, sunny South Florida, and it's a Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show, and as I said, going away on the break, we talk college football, we gave out our picks uh, for college football, just to recap them real quick, Amel likes the University of Florida in that big meeting with Tennessee, it's been high on the Florida Gators since the beginning, uh, likes them in the matchup against the Volunteers, likes them there plus six and a half, he likes Arkansas taking on Texas A&M, feels like Arkansas can uh, stay close or even win this game, and uh, so they're plus six, he likes them, he also likes Notre Dame to snap back after the loss to Michigan State as they take on Duke, a very miserable Duke team this year, certainly far off from where they've been the last few years, so he likes them, I also like Notre Dame as an 18 and a half point favorite at home against Duke. Uh, I'm also rolling with Iowa. like for them to snap back after the embarrassing loss to North Dakota. They're taking on Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers not very good this year. And then I like Wisconsin to uh, catch Michigan, being Michigan State being a little bit too high 
off of that win last week that they got in South Bend. And then in the NFL, Amos going with the Miami Dolphins, thinks there's no way they can lose to the Cleveland Browns. They won't lose, can't lose. Uh, likes them. They're 10-point favorites. Likes Washington in their big divisional matchup against the New York Giants. They are three and a half. And uh, likes the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Battle of Pennsylvania as they go take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Pittsburgh's uh, three-and-a-half-point favorite in that contest against the Eagles. Me personally, I like Kansas City returning home off of the loss as they take on the Jets, who beat the Bills. Kansas City's a three-point favorite. I like the Chiefs. Cincinnati is uh, also at home after uh, a disappointing loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. They get Denver, who's flying a little high. Um, big win last week, emotional win. Now they're on the road taking on the Bengals. I don't like that situation for Denver. I like them. And then I, too, like the uh, Miami Dolphins. If you can't beat the Cleveland Browns and beat them in convincing fashion, then, you know, you're going to have a rough season here if you're the Dolphins. So I feel okay laying uh, 10 points with the Dolphins in this one. And then we also had the fantasy focus. Um, and, um, you know, you guys can check in. If, you, if, this, if this is – no, the first time you're checking into the show, perhaps I can recap this at the end, but if not, check out the archive version of the shows. We gave you our three players in the NFL that we like this weekend. All right, but now it's time to talk high school football after all the college and NFL stuff. And as we do every week here on the Gridiron Stud Show, I'm going to welcome Joshua Wilson onto the show. He is the owner of uh, a website. I don't know how you even keep that thing up on a Friday night. must be getting hits like crazy, but it's FloridaHSFootball.com. Um, all, the place to go on a Friday night, as well as the Twitter account, if you're trying to find out what's happened in games all the way from down in the Key West up to the Panhandle, man. What do you what What's the big stories this week? What's the big stories this week, man? Let's 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 see. We 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 got the Central Booker T show down. How about that? Hey, you know, yeah. Well, why don't we just start off right there? Um, you know, Central started off this season gangbusters. Um, I mean, I just absolutely pummeling their first few opponents. Um, Booker T started off well, also beating American Heritage, beating St. Thomas, and then they uh, ran into you know a little bit of struggle the last uh, few weeks. Pace didn't look all that great. You just chalked it up to coming off of the big wins, and then you went and lost and handed Bernice her first victory uh, at Jackson. No one could understand how that happened. Um, then you got a fist oh, fight yeah. against Southridge and got the you know you got the win. Tough opponent. Uh, so I would have said maybe after those last few weeks, Central probably win this game and you know, win it in somewhat of a comfortable fashion. But then last week, Central has all kinds of trouble with Norland. When I look at the game, I don't know, I don't know about Central being where they need to be in well, the secondary to hold down Booker T in this game. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Well, I think it's it's seen, and I know know this was a couple other things that have came kind of kind of come out since since that game. You know, they, they were missing a couple of key players. That, you know, I think the um, Morton was the quarterback that was missing. He, he was missing, which was I seemed like it would be an issue for Central. So if that's the case, then you know that kind of surprised me with the score that Norland kept it. You know, it was like a two point game after the fact, and I'm like. He's like, wait a second. Did you just realize how close Norland was to to basically upsetting the whole entire apple cart in sure. sixteen hundred? Making a making a total mess of things. No, they would have. No, it would have made a total mess of things. And, and, and see, you know, and this is where this is where the whole thing is. You know, it's like, you know, I just wish that new playoff format was coming this year, not next year. Because I mean, I tell you what, I have to say, all, okay, all four of them are going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's all yeah. four of those teams in that district. I mean, it's just the way it is. But from, 
for this game, you know, I, I, I'm kind of curious as to what can is Central going to bounce back from saying, you know, well, we're just going to shake that off, we're going to clean the rust off, and we're just going to we're, we're going to try to take Booker T, and we're going to we're, we're going to try to run them over. And you know, I think that's they've what, been you know, thinking the about this matchup when they were taking on Norland last. That week. might. That, that, that's a good possibility. They're thinking, hey, we, we you know, you're, you're you're thinking one week too much ahead, and you mm-hmm. know, that's what you know, that's what's gotten you know, it's gotten some teams right there. You know, you you, you can talk about that in college football. You know, the, some of these teams thinking about they're sitting there thinking about that that, that big rivalry game the next week, and you know, not thinking sure. about the game that they're actually playing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. exactly. You know, it, exactly. I mean, that's. And that's the kind of the mindset. And I, I'm wondering if, you know, could the same thing happen with Booker T when they were playing Jackson? Were they thinking about Southridge instead? Man, you know? what a mistake that was. But, you, you know, you still got to win the game, for crying out loud. Booker right. T. You still, you still, right. You still have to win the game. And, and you know, and it's, and it's funny I talk about this because – Book in our rankings because we got a different, we got like a hybrid ranking system we're using now. And the thing is, is that Booker T had more first place votes than Coco. I mean, this was interesting, but Booker T ended up getting ranked second because the Coco's strength of schedule is actually higher than Booker T's because, well, mm. you know, Miami Jackson losing the next week to Cardinal Gibbons didn't help. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about that. And let's talk about those hybrid rankings as I'm looking at them right now on your website, Florida HS Football. Dot com And right here in, in Class 8A, um, you've got Apopka, you've got Southridge, Flanagan, and then Dr. Phillips. Out of those four teams you have sitting there, uh, you know, amongst the top, um, who do you think the weakest out of that group? Who's most likely to fall out of that top four as we run through, you know, the rest oh, of the Oh, man, you are just – I mean, I mean it, 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 yeah, it's, it's it a tough there, question. It, 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 it's a tough question. No, it's really, a, it's really you know, because, you know, I, I mean – to, to be honest, I think Apopka now runs the table on their schedule mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the rest of the schedule, their, their biggest test was going to be Dr. Phillips. They they managed to come back from being down two touchdowns to beat them. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, Dr. Phillips is no, Dr. Phillips is no joke, but for Dr. Phillips, they got to play mainland this week, who's in the top in that top five and in, in six A. So it's it, right. it's kind of a it's kind of Popka's strength of schedule is going to be helped out a little bit because of that with Doctor Phillips, you know, now having mm-hmm. that having that win over them and stuff. But I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it, you know what the the team I think that will out of those four right there that will probably mm-hmm. potentially might fall out. I'd say Flanagan mm-hmm. now at this point. It seems like Miramar mm-hmm. is starting to get better and better, and I think you know it's Flanagan's not the same kind of team we've known in the last two years. It's just mm-hmm. you know Miramar is starting to like it looks like Miramar, you know, Sinatis is finally getting. Things turned around there at Miramar. You know, he's, he's right. you know, he's, he had that last year to get things settled in. Now he, this is this is his team now. This is what he wants to do. Right. You well, know, how, and, uh, you know, how how seriously can we take Coral Gables, who's right now undefeated, four and zero? They're seven in your hybrid poll in eight A. Um, how serious can we take on Coral Gables? I mean, I you you know you you look at Coral Gables and you know they they, they played Carroll City pretty close in that in that or you know that first first regular season game in week one. I mean, and, and, you know, and there, there's just been some interesting you know interesting things right there along with that. And but you know, I mean, but the whole the, the problem with Coral Gables is I think what will catch them eventually in the end is the strength of schedule again. It's 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 mm-hmm. just for some of those eight eighteen strength of schedules just not there. It's just not mm-hmm. very good at all. And, and some of it's just because you know it's. You're gonna play your GMAC teams because you're not gonna travel much outside yeah, outside um, the, outside of Miami Dade County unless you're unless you're Columbus or Booker T or 
Central, you know, where you're going to you're going to pick up those games like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, Gable, I mean, I mean, Gables could Gables could. The problem for Gables will be is when it when it comes time for Columbus, which ain't until five more weeks down the road. So that's right. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking you're talking a potential Gables will still be undefeated by the time they see Columbus. Mm-hmm. You know, Columbus yeah. has actually had. You know, it's, it's interesting that Columbus has actually been. You know, it, they're two and two after four weeks. You know, and here mm-hmm. here they are. It's like, well, you know, but their strength of schedule it's up there. So yeah, they you know, played. It's, um, it's they played some proven. tough ones. Yeah, they've definitely played mm-hmm. some tough ones. Class seven A. It's it's uh it's all St. Thomas. Uh, even with a loss there, they're still atop the rankings. So let's just ask this question: Who's the serious threat, if any, to St. Thomas rolling again to uh, the championship? Some people want to say Venice, but I'm 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 concerned that Venice doesn't play at the toughest. Doesn't sound like you want to be one of those people. No, I'm no. This is just not you know. And I can almost and this is this is point out. St. Thomas, yeah, I could say okay. St. Thomas and Seven A South, but who from Seven A North? My guess is good as yours right now. Right. My guess is right. good as yours because there's just so many open things because you know we're thinking oh at the start of the season it'd be Columbia. Well, Columbia's on a one started started off one and three. They're on a three game losing streak. They're talking about their win. Their next win may not be until mid October. Now that's what they're. That's what everybody's like. Whoa, Man. wait a second, Columbia, Columbia. Wait a second, one and three. This is a state semifinal team, and they might not even make the playoffs this year. Yeah, certainly, that's, certainly very interesting. I, listen, I let me just be honest with you. I find Class Seven A to be boring pretty much year after year. To be oh, honest no, with no, you, I agree. No, I agree with that. I agree with your general assessment on that. It's just it's it's there's just not. Until something is done to either get St. Thomas Aquinas away from that, or you create a ninth playoff bracket and do what California does and have an open bracket where you just throw mm. all your best, you throw the, throw the best of the best into one bracket and let them have at it. Right. <laughs> That's you know, it's it's, it's St. Thomas is still going to be, you know, it's it's going to make yeah, them boring. A complete and total bore every year. Now, one uh, what's not boring is Class Six A. Uh, Miami Central looking human last week. Armwood doing their thing at three and zero. Miami Northwestern. Uh, listen, I saw them mm-hmm. up close. Um, we had a game firmly in control, and they had a never say die attitude. I think they're going to probably creep up on some people. Um, I kind of like them against Booker T in a couple of weeks coming up. Mainland, oh, yeah. Vanguard, Knightville. Yeah. yeah, even Carroll City sitting there one and two. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, there's a lot Jagger. going on here. This the the playoffs in six A is going to be very interesting. Well, yeah, and that is, you know, and I we were doing. I was breaking down. Okay, well, how many how many undefeated teams are left in each class? Twenty two and six A, the most of any class. I mean, it's like it, it speaks for itself in six A that hey, six A is your best class. You think oh, the larger the better. Your largest class is going to be the best class. No, it's sure. not the case. Sure, you, but you I mean, Boyd Anderson sitting there three and zero. You know, people want to see if they're for real. There's, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I got a close eye on six A as we go through these next few weeks. Oh yeah, I mean, I think six A is gonna be—it's gonna be fun. And speaking of Armwood, Armwood's mm. gonna be out with seven of their key players tonight against Plant. What happened? A there? Big showdown. It's uh, some of the injuries. There's a suspension in one with, with one player, at least that I know of. There's, there, there's mm. they're gonna be out with some of their best players, and that you know it might just be enough to where Armwood takes the first loss of the season. So it's. Mm. It's interesting. interesting. That, it, that would come with an asterisk, uh, given what you just said. 
Oh, it would come with an asterisk, but it just seems. It, but to determine how long, how long that these and this this kind of stuff affects Armwood, you know, not just this week, but next week, you know, because then they're going to get start. You're you're going to start getting into the chunk of your district schedule. Well, you know, if teams try to kind of you know figure out that you're weak, well, they're going to try to figure the gang up on you. Yeah, uh, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, sliding down to Class 5A, if this is your first time listening to the show, full disclosure, I coach at Plantation American Heritage, who's number one in your Class 5A poll. Outside of that, though, I've got no say. Yeah, I've got, I've got no say. Look, we've won all the games, so you know what can I say? Yeah. But let me pump you for some information. Um, you know, so I get content plus I get a little information here from you. Um, after after us here, what what's who's to look out for in Class Five A? Who's doing some things that make you uh, raise some eyebrows for you? You know, you know, I would put five. You know what? I say this, and I'm going to say this. Five A, I would put label as seven with seven A as it just seems like it's boring to me for for for, mm-hmm. for, for, for a lot of perspectives, right? Because mm-hmm. there's just there's just the, the teams in 5A for some reason outside the top tier. It's just it's like there's just everybody is just down like way below, and I'm like, okay, well, what? Why are we not? Why is 5A like really performing poorly? And mm-hmm. it just, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if yeah, you're gonna have to watch out for Jesuit and Bishop Moore in, in 5A, you know, in the South mm-hmm. part, you know, Gibbons, Gibbons is sneaking up on people here too, so we only got to keep an eye on that one. I mean, I, I mean, mm-hmm. you're. you're 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 totally aware of what Gibbons is doing. And I think that's impressive what what Matt DeBuck is doing right now. So that I mean, it's I'll tell you what that that's a, that's an impressive streak to start off four and zero, and you beat Shaman on in mm-hmm. the process of all that after all right. the hype they had all during the summer. I you know the, for the North, you know I think the North is kind of more is very wide open because I don't necessarily think it's Wakala that's going to be the team. And even though their strength of schedule represent you know it, their strength of schedule is very very good. You know, mm-hmm. the one team I think is interesting that people really, you know, I mean, they don't have the traditional history, and that's Baker County. But you know, if Baker County keeps winning the games that they're supposed to, and then you know they're gonna they're gonna be on a run collision course with Clay because they're in the same district. I think one of the, you know, if Baker County can do some do some upsets and stuff in the process of that, they 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 may finally get past where you know past the regional semifinals this year for the first time ever. But you know, like I think they got the right coach in place now to do that, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Given traditional history, I'd take Clay coming out of the door first. Yeah, <laughs> that's, just um, way, but that's just the way I look at it. But it's it's it's. I think the five A North it's just it's very much up in the air. I I really at this point, you know, you could probably you could, you could probably have fifteen teams on a board to, on, on a dartboard and start throwing darts, and you might be right. Yeah, I guess we need these next three four weeks for things to kind of sort themselves out. I slide down to Class Four oh, A. Yeah. Coco Booker T both have losses. Why Cook? Why Coco over Booker T in this poll? It, the Coco, it, 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 the strength of schedule is what pushed it. That's where because with Coco having Bishop Gorman on the schedule, it helped. And of course, like going back to saying, you know, you know, Booker T losing the Jackson, and then Jackson losing the losing the Colonel Gibbons, it really, it really didn't help him. And it just, you know, and I, you know, I was actually thinking about that right now, actually looking at Coco because, yeah, because it's, it's pretty much everybody knows the strength of schedule formula. It's, it's, it's the same thing as what the NCAA used for mm. many years. It's not that it's, it's a simple formula. I mean, it's, it's, you know, mm. thing. And, you know, Coco, I mean, it's, it's, it's that's, 
.652, and I mean Booker T is, and they're not very, they were not very far behind that on, on the strength of schedule. But it was, it was just, a, yeah. Let's see, yeah, actually no, actually yeah, it was .590 for for Booker T. So there, there's a very difference close. between. This. It's very close, but at the same time, it's 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 it, there's there's also that gap. It's just enough gap that pushed. Pushed uh, Coco right over, and it's it's because you know it's like oh people were booking you know it's Booker T uh, Booker T first place, and then it was like oh here's Coco second place. Well you know it's mm. it's it's that strength well, of schedule, and I said hey I, while you know, we're I think I, while well, we're down here trying happen. to figure out who's the uh, who's who's the master of the South end, Bulls and Reigns sitting there at three and zero. How good are those two teams? You know, I, I I still think the jury's out on both of them right now. <laughs> to be honest mm. with you, I still mm. I still think the jury is out, and you know, and that's another thing. You know, Bowles is playing Miami Jackson this week as a backup from week two when after the hurricane. So you know, it's this you know they're playing that game this week now. Where is you know, that I game, just, by the way? At, that's a Bowles. That's at Bowles. So Bowles is going to be comfortable at home. Miami Jackson, yeah, not so much. You know, uh, a little you're, bit you're of making... news coming out of Miami Jackson this week. Uh, yes, there is. Coaching wise. Uncle Luke. This, is this I, not like I, the third or fourth time already he's walked away? Is this it? Is this is this finally it? Or what's going on there? I just, I just I just don't know. I mean, this one this one just took me by surprise. But it's just like, you know, why would you why would you think? But then somebody was like, you know, you you, you got embarrassed by a Brown team and for your defense mm. and you know something like, about this one though seems like this is it. It seems just seems final. Yeah, it seems like he's not coming back this time. Yeah, I, I think you know you, you you've been you've been at almost every major program around the around the around Miami Dade County. It's, I mean, if this is it, this is it. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, if, I mean, I mean, if you feel like it's time to get out of the coaching ranks, hey, there you go. You know. Yeah, I mean, no I, one's I gonna know. get rich in the state of Florida. Not you know, not no, that Luke doesn't have some money, but no one's gonna get rich coaching football in the state of Florida. So when no, someone decides to walk away from it, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't argue. You know what I mean? So yeah, most of the, right, most of the coaches here do it because they, it, it's more about they love what they do, they like what they do. Oh, it's labor of love, something. trust me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Jackson's up the road in. In Jacksonville, uh, minus uh, their defensive coordinator for the uh, first half of this season or the first few games of this season, uh, don't look good for Bowles. I mean, Bowles is a tough prep for anyone, um, and and especially on the defensive side of the ball with what it is Bowles likes to do. So to go up there a little shorthanded on the defensive coaching staff, I don't, I don't really like Jackson's chances there. Um, Class 3A, a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of excitement there, a little top-heavy. Um, Trinity Christian, Oxbridge Academy coming around and doing some things minus, you know, even without the players that they lost. And Clearwater Central Catholic doing their usual thing of winning all the regular season games. They've got to figure out how to, you know, win when it counts in the playoffs. And then Shamanan Madonna, who people are still trying to figure out, are they real or are they not? And I guess I lost, uh, did I lose Josh here? Uh, it, it somehow the call dropped and I just got back on, so there we go. Yeah, sorry about that, Josh. A little t- no, no, technical hey, difficulty. Hey, but no, but yeah, it's, it's all good. Hey, technology's not 100% foolproof as we <laughs> as we just learned. But no, yeah. no, the whole thing with this, with the whole thing, and then you look, and I'm sure you're talking about 3A here, and 3A, you know, look at 3A, look at the thing. You know, you got three teams that people are considered. Are they going to be who? Are, who's technically the top? And but you know, some people are like, oh, they're concerned about Trinity Christian, but you look at Trinity Christian and. Their strength of schedule, that's that's gonna be good because you got IMG on the schedule, and as long as IMG's winning games, 
who knows? Yeah. Were you aware of uh, Were you aware of the fact that Shamanad's not going to play uh, IMG? Did you know about that? That is correct. Yeah, I do. I'm aware of that. That was actually that actually got adjusted actually on the strength of schedule because we 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 took that out and actually, I mean, I don't really think that matters hurt hurt Shamanad much of the way by saying. And I really think you know to be honest with you. I I, I I don't like calling coaches out and stuff like that, but the previous head coach, I, I have to say, I, I think that was kind of a blatantly dumb move to schedule IMG. Yeah, he's a little bit on some liquor putting that schedule together. So you know, I'm like, no one's gonna... I'm just like, I, I'm I'm telling you that I think that we, and a lot of people questioned it. It's like, why would you schedule that game for week 11, considering you might be mm. in the playoffs the very next week? Why would you do that? Right. Yeah, and, mm. and, and, and of course. Damian Jones, he, he saw it, you know. Okay, yeah, it, this is just totally. We're, we're not going to do that to our guys. We're, we've got a playoff game. We got playoffs to worry probably about. Probably was his first. Yeah. Probably was his first decision when he came through the door. Uh, you know, and maybe announced later, like, okay, this thing here that you did on week eleven, we got to get that out of the way right now, and then move on with with <laughs> what other pressing business. Right, listen, I want to ask you this about Class Three A. Look, we're four games in, so you know I won't hold this against you. But if you had to guess today, four games into the season. Who's coming out of that south end of Class 3A? You know, I thought it was Clearwater Central Catholic at first, but Oxbridge is starting to show that starting to show. Hey, you know what? We could go through a rough and tumble here and still play games. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. That's the thing, and you know, that's see, that's another thing. That's there that was an interesting thing about Oxbridge. They got they had they had the most first place votes among the 3A teams there, and that strength of schedule just strength. And Oxbridge's strength of schedule is just not that good. People will look and say, "Oh yeah, they got a quality win against Flanagan and all that." Yeah, that's nice, mm. but. Here's the big thing that hurts Oxbridge. Their neighbors down at American Heritage Del Rey, one and yeah. three. I'm like, I don't know what's going on there. Just, I I I literally don't know what's going on, and it just I, I'm I'm kind of curious as to what who's going to really who, you know if, if Oxbridge wins the district, who's going to be the runner-up at this point? Because you know American Heritage does not really have shown that they are a a a 3A power like they usually have been. You know, they went to Naples and they dropped big there. They went up to St. John's in D.C. and they dropped that one pretty big. I mean, the only one they've got is against Clade Central, who's 2-2. Two and two. And I'm yeah, not sure if that um, means much right this I second, mean, maybe they to pull it together here, but yeah, it's kind of thrown things for a little bit of a loop down there. Well, listen, finally, we don't. I don't stray into Class 2A very often, but, you know, we will here to close things out on the show today. Uh, I see Champagnat Catholic down there at three and zero. What do you make of it? Um, uh, you know, are they legit or not legit? I, what do I you think, think? I think Dennis Merrickwin's finally getting his stamp on the program, and you know, and I think you know, it's it's they're actually playing games. They're not doing what they did, you know, a few couple of years ago when they scheduled a game and then back out of game. You know, mm-hmm. and of course that was previous coaching there on that one, and we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave that one there, but. <laughs> For Champignon, I think you know it's like you know they're 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 able to go and play games against you know larger classification teams and actually win those games because I mean the last week they 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 traveled over to over over to go, uh, uh, Golden Gate over in Naples, mm. which is a six A team. You know you're talking mm. about three four classifications higher than you, and you go in there and beat their you go in there and beat them, right? <laughs> and they right. and they blew them yeah. out. That's, it's yeah. Yeah. Like, no. Well. You know they may have a chance. They may they they may have a chance to be in the mix from from the south part. But, sure, but you got um, you, you, you got to contend with Cambridge Christian, who's number one. So that's that's the that's yeah. The you know, thing. I I see you say that, but 
uh, North Florida Christian, a staple, like there all the time. Um, isn't it really their world, yeah. or is it Cambridge Christian? Well, Cambridge Christian being in the south, it'll be Cambridge, it'll champion out, we'll have to see. North Florida Christian being in the north mm-hmm. part, the, the, the biggest thing that they'll have to worry about is University Christian, who's gotten off to one and two start, but some of that is they've played, they played Trinity Christian, you know, you know, number one in 3A. They went up to Coffee County, Georgia, which that was a tough game. They never fared, University Christian never fares well going to play Georgia games, but, mm-hmm. you know, now, now they're, now they're going to get into more of the meat of their schedule, which is the district. They're going to, they're, they're, they're still going to win their district games. They're still a good team. They're still a decent team. It's it's just that some people are, are are trying to write them off early, and it's like, no, don't don't write them off just yet. It's not. It's you know, if, if they start if they start losing games that they're not supposed to lose, yeah, then I have a concern. But the, the, the concern yeah. is not yet. It, still, it's not still there. plenty and, of football. Yeah, still plenty of football to be played, and of course, a bunch of it tonight. So, uh, if you can't make it out to a game, and you can only make it out to one game at a time, so the best way for you to follow twenty, thirty, forty, fifty games. Uh, in the state of Florida, is to uh, head over to FLAHS Football um, on Gridar. I mean, uh, on on Twitter. Follow them on Twitter, and you can get your scores. You can get them going. And then you know the uh, upset alerts. You get those. Uh, everyone I, goes the, looking the, for those yeah, every Friday. And I feel, I still, I think there's going to be a few. I still think there's going to, there's going to be a few, and there's always a few each weekend. And once we get in that stretch of district games, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some upsets. There, there's people we're always looking for, and 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 another big thing, you know, this week, and I, and it's not so much about related to the games, you know, with the playoffs, is that the FHA is going to actually the, the the final vote comes for the playoff format on Monday morning. So that's going to be a that's that's going to be a. What do you expect thing that? Is, which way do you expect that to go? It's I it's definitely going to get a fast because there's there's too many there's too many have been approvals of 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 endorsements and the you know I mean the the, the athletic athletic directors advisory committee uh, you know endorsed it and the executive director is recommending for its approval I've rarely seen that board ever reject something that the executive director has recommended for approval and you know if that you know if they reject it I I am sure there's going to be some crazy people people are going to be saying okay come on you know you just went against the the voice of the member schools you know. Seventy percent saying they want to change, and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 time for change. It's it, it's time for change in this playoffs because you know it's like look, I, I can tell you right now, y'all are gonna be you know you for, for Plantation American Heritage, whoever the runner up is out of out of five A sixteen, y'all are gonna be both in the mm-hmm. second round. I mean that, that district district fifteen, yeah, kind of y'all kind of kind of went sideways a little bit, yeah. It, it, it's a pointless district, and that's what you know. Thing, and, and you know, the FHA is going to, ha- you know, they're, they're going to try to get these districts balanced out as well with some of this. So, hopefully, you know, to, to get the teams and, and really to eliminate the, these team losing teams being in the playoffs. You know, you make sure. the playoffs, you should be you should have a winning record. That's my that's sure. my opinion. Well, let's just uh, hope they come up with something that makes sense for everyone, man. As always. Great having you on the show. We never have enough time for all of it. We could go never. on and on about this thing. But the games do have to come up tonight, man. And, Josh, I thank you for coming on and talking Florida high school football with us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Appreciate it, Chad. Take it easy. Have a good one. All right. That is Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show to talk some high school football here in the state of Florida. It goes down tonight, Friday night lights, as it does every week. And uh, good to have him on to talk about it with us. All right. Well, we'll reach the end of another jam-packed, jam-packed football Friday show. We've done it all. We talked college football, previewed some games, gave you some picks, talked NFL football, gave you some picks, talked some fantasy football, um, even had uh, Mark Sessler on from NFL Network 
uh, on the show today. Appreciate him coming on. And I want to say thank you to all of my guests. Brian of East London on Talking Canes Football. Nick Delatore from Gator Country Talking Gators Football. Safid Dean on from uh, the Orlando Sentinel Talking Florida State Football. And, of course, my last guest, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. I want to thank them all for joining us on the show today. I want to thank you all for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show and making it a featured show on BlogTalkRadio.com. For uh, my co-host, Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. And we'll see you guys back on Monday to recap it all. The Gridiron Stud Show. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.